say something nice so that you know you get the dhamma, the full dhamma. <laughs> we're recording right now, but you're you because you guys were saying about fasting, and I was just gonna mention because uh, I was talking to Parker earlier on about hunger, um, and saying that like between like for me today and yesterday, like yesterday I had like one meal and it was like probably like 800 calories or something like that, and uh, and then guys, I hold just, on, like, I'm gonna anything else. Sorry to interrupt. I'm just gonna say hi to my girlfriend for a bit. I'll be right back. Should we wait? <laughs> Anyways, uh, I can okay. talk about something else or whatever comes should up. I, I guess. Should I say the? Well, I was just gonna say, like, for the the fasting bit. I don't know. It was it was it was interesting because the sensations of just like hunger or whatever it is, like the. Mm-hmm. I would even say hunger. I would just say like the whatever that feels like when you haven't eaten anything and you're like kind of low on food or whatever yeah i i kind of guess to the point and maybe it's because of the practice i mean obviously i would guess it's because of the practice you know of being satisfied where it was just like that sensation you know there wasn't really a disliking of it i didn't dislike it at all it was i, I actually kind of liked it like it made me feel like uh like like light and nimble and energized and kind of un unbounded uh, I don't know <laughs> it was kind of weird it's just like I think nimble yeah. is a good word to, to use it. it made me feel like uh, just good and then once I ate it was kind of like okay well <laughs> we've broken the fast um, yeah. and, and kind of back to that ordinary uh, and so I, I don't know in my head I was I was starting to think like that I kind of like being in that state of like not having eaten more than like this dichotomy of like eat, get hungry, eat, get hungry, eat rather. And, and that's what actually Bhikkhu talks about is um, that we aren't necessarily trying to like satisfy our hunger, but we're actually just, we're, we're actually, uh, you know, not being hungry is the idea. <laughs> So that we could stop calling yeah. it hunger, we could we could just call it sensation in the in the body um, when we yeah. when because because I think you do have to have that uh, satisfaction component though to to see that clearly. Otherwise, you know, it might be it might be paired up with a lot of unwholesome thinking um, that cause unwholesome feelings, and then you know that kind of thing. So, yeah, I didn't realize how much I was comfort eating until I began to uh, fast for the first couple times. And I really experienced that deep hunger. And suddenly I remember I just started fasting like a couple years ago. And I remember at the time, I think it's actually only a year and a half. But I remember being like, fuck, dude, it's been like since high school, you know, or maybe younger. You know, I feel like certain people have a higher metabolism. And no matter who you are, everybody has a higher metabolism when you're younger, right? Especially if you do sports or anything like that. And so I remember there was other times in my life when I was like younger, had a better or stronger, faster metabolism. And so I remember kind of getting hungry, like that deep kind of hunger, you know, basically before I could feed myself, when I had to fucking rely on the cafeteria or my mom or my parents. 
that was the time when I was like, you know, would actually get hungry, you know, and I would, when I would eat, it was because I needed to eat. And once I began uh, to feed myself, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's no point to like, you know, if you, you, if you have that drug of food, like, why not, you know, load up. And um, well, here's one way you, you know, to look at that though, because yeah. that's actually really super valuable that you know that. Um, because actually, I was talking about this also with Parker, which is like the idea of, uh, that none of uh, none of what we are, none of like the unwholesome thoughts that we have, are are new. That that cause like these unwholesome feelings, like kind of bad feelings or whatever it is, like wanting things. Um, you know, when when we feel kind of incomplete or or we don't feel good. Um, I I was referencing this like quote that my mom used to say, which was like, uh, "There's nothing new under the sun," and I think that's like from the Bible or something like that, but. Basically, basically, what I'm what I was pointing <laughs> out was was directly yeah. that what you're pointing out, which is that you recognize, oh, when I was a kid, it was like this struggle to get this food, and so there was more to it than just the sensation of hunger. It was also like, you know, questions about am I going to survive this, and so therefore you have that baggage. But then you could come now as an adult, right, and you could say, oh, that's an old friend that's an old friend that's something that i kind of ignorantly um or delusionally picked up when i was in elementary school isn't it time to grow up now <laughs> you know well, i, I don't even know for that old programming anymore yeah you see what i'm saying so like when you and for yeah. me what i was saying about like the old component was that when i recognized oh that's really old like that's that's just an old friend. That's an old habit. It really sucks all of the head for me. I don't know. Maybe and I Parker agreed with me on this. He said, like, I said, like, it kind of sucks all the weight out of whatever that unwholesome feeling or thought was, um, especially since I'm also calling it a friend. But like, it's like, yeah, this is this. This has been with me all this time. I've been doing it all this time. And it's a way of a way of kind of a 10 year old to do something. And it's kind of silly. It's kind of a joke, really. It's just like now, uh, now I don't have to to continue doing that anymore, right? Because because <laughs> here we are, like twenty years later. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, when I I also realized there's a lot of things. If you fast for long enough and you do it enough times, you you begin to uncover different lessons and deeper lessons. One of the things I remember learning was that uh, you know, like. I always had some kind of drug or something in my life, right? So when I was younger, it was like video games. And when I, you know, got into high school, it was like weed and alcohol. And as I got older, I, you know, did other stuff too. Um, but that, and then when I, you know, completely got uh, free from all that, I still had something in there and that was food, right? So ultimately what I realized is that when life is kind of scary and unknown and out of control, people tend to have a balancing effect. So, you know, if you don't have drugs and if you, if you don't allow yourself food, that need for comfort is going to come from somewhere else, you know? And, and then what happens is as we kind of have discipline over these more basic desires, like, you know, um, like a nymphomaniac or, you know, desire to control your suffering through sex, that was what we would call like a lower desire or something, you know? It, well, it could be higher, but really 
if it's about selfishly but this is isn't, stopping isn't, my isn't what we're discussing right now kind of the ordinary way of handling things like oh i you know i'm i'm lacking in this department let me go lack in another department instead like isn't that kind of just a really ordinary yeah. typical uncontrolling of the mind yeah Un it's so an we, unconscious we pattern of like so many people yeah yeah the, the, the trend that i've noticed <laughs> is that as we like move we, along we that can, path can, you know we, we end up interrupt we can interrupt that whole process from the very beginning we could just say oh look at i i see this restlessness about this thing that i uh you know don't have comfort over anymore that's an old habit that's an old pattern that's an old friend wow i'm really satisfied really glad i saw that no worries everything's fine start talking to yourself start rhyming to yourself give yourself rhyme and rhythm i got nothing but rhyme and rhythm and i start talking to myself yeah. and i'm satisfied and everything's fine no worries <laughs> and then we're good like there are certain so, things that they have like they're not really worth it you know like um the most extreme example would be like if you do like hard drugs like meth right you get a short-term high and then like for a week you're crashed and you're just destroyed so there is better more wholesome ways to balance that suffering and that's really what the spiritual practice is about it's kind of like the epitome of you know, no negative karma associated with this practice that balances suffering. You know, on a lower level, we can say that like the most destructive ways to balance suffering, that's what it really appears as, is a kind of like unconscious instinctual pull towards something that makes you instant gratif gratified, you know, whether that's like Game of Thrones or like your girlfriend or you know, uh, drugs or food, right? There's different levels of things that are more destructive than the rest, right? Everybody has to eat food. That's kind of like a middle ground, right? You got to eat anyways. So why not just eat a little bit more, you know? And then it kind of, and then like, uh, as we get higher, right? There's different levels of things that, you know, at the bottom, it's very short-term instant pleasure, probably of a very high degree. Um, and then like it, long instant crash too. And then at the mid-level, it's kind of like, well, you feel kind of good. You don't really suffer for a bit, but then, you know, you have diabetes or you have like, you know, um, like for me, I had a lot of esteem issues. Like my eating issues went mental for me, it became like neurosis. And then, you know, like on a higher level, if you're doing like meditation or wisdom or Anapanasati, like there's no negative outcome to that. Like you're literally attacking the source of suffering at the, at the source, you know? And so... Yeah, yeah, that's like a, a, a path of progression that I see a lot of people on, you know, and some people just don't ever recognize what it is. They just end up unconsciously habitual, well, habitually like, you know, stuck in their patterns. I, I feel like it's pretty, pretty it's pretty, uh, it's shockingly easy because Buddha says go to the forest, go to the foot of a tree, go to an uh, empty hut. If you're in an empty hut, uh, or in the forest is not hamburgers laying around. There's probably no syringes laying around, probably no girls around. So it's pretty, pretty easy to get away from that stuff. We got, we got a couple of guys that just joined here. Uh, Robert, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Uh, I don't, I don't think I know your name in, in the top right corner here for me. Oh, now you just switch actually. <laughs> I'm Keyshawn. I don't think we met before. Oh, hi. Oh, are you talking to me? Uh, DJ? Yeah. 
Yeah, hi. Yeah, um, I'm pretty new here. I've been actually watching the videos for some time now. But I haven't actually really joined in in any of the Skype calls. So I just thought, hey, you know what? I'd hop in for a bit. Um, I've been practicing for a little, you know, while. I suppose it's just a moment, you know, at a time. But, <laughs> you know, I've been enjoying the practice. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to... Uh, Kind of hop in, yeah, yeah, and getting Have kind you of more involved to with this No, I haven't. I've just like, I, I just I haven't gotten around to it. Like, I've spent a lot of time watching the videos, and then like I watch a video, and then I just do the practice, and I'm like so satisfied and like happy with just practicing the anapanasati. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah that, was, that, was, that was me today, go, watching man. videos and then getting yeah. satisfied and feeling really good. Yeah, so, it's, it's really, really great stuff. Page, awesome. Yeah. Alex, hey, what's up, the, guys? Uh, how's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, really? Yeah, I want to wow. like, I want to tell you guys a little bit about what's been going on and see what your thoughts are, particularly you, Keyshawn, uh, but anybody else you'd like to chime in please feel free uh, but uh i just decided to like i think i've told some of you like i just decided i would take like baby steps and uh because i was going like i was going at it real hard like with a lot of willpower and it's interesting because i was looking at um bhikkhu buddhadasa today and i saw that he was he was talking about the five aggregates um volition being one of them and i didn't know volition meant will and they said something about like once you see the beginning and the end of the five aggregates, you are able to have some kind of wisdom or something. I, I didn't really, you know, I didn't hang on to the word, but you're able to see more clearly. And I've noticed that that's something that happened for me. I was able to see the beginning and end of will. It will only take me so far. Couldn't uh, because at some point. I just got exhausted. I got so tired and I wanted to give up because I didn't think I could sustain anything. Like will couldn't get me there. So I gave up. I got really fucking defeated, discouraged and was like literally about to like quit this practice like forever, you know, forever. <laughs> and uh, then I just started like, I just woke up one morning and I just started to like take a breath. And start there like just okay start again i'm just gonna enjoy this breath and enjoy the out breath and this in breath and enjoy this out breath and i just did that for a day that's it and whenever i noticed there was like unwholesome thoughts or unwholesome feelings i would just take a breath that's all i would do i wouldn't say i see you no i wouldn't say i see you mara i wouldn't say i don't wouldn't get into all that i would just take a breath enjoy that and then restart again the next day, I did the same thing. Next day, I did the same thing. We're like about the fourth day in for that now. I've been super consistent with it, which is amazing. And I haven't been concerned about the results at all because I've just been in the process of enjoying the breath when I remember to enjoy the breath, not holding myself to enjoying the breath all the time, but just when I remember. And then acknowledging that as a success. Um, and what I can say is like what I've noticed is there's a natural like progression 
like the more and more I can see myself enjoying the breath and acknowledging the success of enjoying that breath, when I see unwholesome thoughts and feelings, I feel more ready. I feel more equipped to meet those unwholesome feelings and thoughts as a friend. So now I'm saying things like, oh, anxiety? Oh, I can be friends with you. I can be friends with this. I can make friends with this anxiety. I'm literally saying this. I think I found my mantra, guys. I, I, I can be friends with this. Like, it's like, oh, I can, it's good. And it's really, really wholesome. And um, what I've noticed is just in general, there's less unwholesome thoughts. There's less unwholesome feelings. There's less frequency of things like getting to me. And what I'm noticing, I was reading something up about contact. And I'm curious if this is something that I am experiencing. Because what it is now is like I've noticed that when unwholesome, it can be anything. It could be this isn't this isn't good enough. I want more. Wait, I was feeling better a minute ago. Where'd it go? Oh, I can make friends with clinging. I can make friends with craving. I can make friends with this isn't good enough. No, this must be good enough. This is good enough. This is good enough right here. And what I'm noticing is like, I'll come to contact with that unwholesome thought and feeling, but it like doesn't it's like I could just be like, ah, hello. It's like I'm opening the door and then you make shutting. a new contact. Yeah, new contact. Exactly. A the new, new contact con is a new wise contact. Enjoy the breath. Yeah, enjoy the breath. Or oh, acknowledge this as a success. Um, and then just something like general things that I've noticed is the the way that my like experiencing and enjoying the breath how that's changed from the first day I did it to now is, is really, really different. It's like, it's, there's, I, I've been taking your advice, Keyshawn, to make them more slow and relaxed and enjoy them. Like as if this is everything I could ever get in this breath. And I've noticed it like, it's like a whole like universe. The breath feels like a whole vast universe and it, and it, and it's just like a very like subtle, you know, air going through the nostrils. It's like, I don't need to, Low lines like uh, <laughs> like Keyshawn was telling me. He's like, you don't need to be doing lines in the bathroom. You don't be like, you don't need to be doing that. And I just was like, you know, I was just like, yeah, mm, like it, and it, and it's like really enjoy. It's like a, it, it does feel like cocaine. It's like a shoot of enjoyment for like I've never done cocaine for the record, but it's like a shoot of enjoyment like for like fifteen seconds. It's amazing, and then um. The other thing that I've noticed is when I do like seclusion sessions and I'm just focusing on the breath, like, you know, just, just enjoying the breath right now, not doing anything else. My body has intense, intense, like spurts of energy and like jerks in the body and Hey, no harm, no fault. You know, I can make friends with this too. So that's what I've been doing with that. Like, Oh, I, I can make friends with these sensations. I can make friends with this discomfort. It's very weird, though, because it's, like, really enjoyable, but really, really uncomfortable. I was just wondering if you guys had any thoughts to anything I just said. I know I said a lot, but um, well, primarily I, I don't have, lots of victories, guys. I don't have a lot to say other than congratulations. It sounds like you finally decided to start practicing correctly. There you go. I mean, I, I was just talking about uh, this to Brandon, and I think Don Motto was in the conversation too at some point but basically like we kind of 
do a lot of different practices or you do a lot of different things before you finally um, start to practice correctly. You kind of go the wrong way. Like you said, you, you were going into like trying to maybe will mode. And, and so a common like thing you said was like uh, the baby steps, but actually that's like really the only way to do it. I think by <laughs> yeah. baby steps, you, you mean, I think by baby steps, you mean like doing it now. The one only time you can ever do it is do it now. Yeah. Just one more yeah. step, just one more step. That's it. Right. That's the only way you can do it. So right. that's why I said it sounds like you're finally starting to practice correctly. And then you're also coming in with, uh, you know, meeting the old stuff that comes up with friendship and, and, and joy and actually change. You're, you're correctly changing the mind because if the old stuff comes up and you just go into, I don't like this, that's more old stuff again. It's just another unwholesome thought. But if you yeah. come into it with, with new, the new material that we have here, satisfaction and, and joy then you're, you're you're changing the way that it's working and you've come in now into a new contact more wholesome more wholesome and you start to get into a good state and that's why you're seeing the results that you're seeing and so i would say um that this is like a clear um indicator kind of or like a clear example of when they say in the sutta or in the buddhist says the uh the, the dhamma is good in the beginning good in the middle and good in the end that when you were when you were struggling at what you just weren't doing the practice but now that when you when you do remember to do the practice it's good it's gonna be good in the beginning the middle and the end throughout yeah when you practice correctly you have any idea about what the resistance or the uncomfortable thing was or do you just kind of run into that barrier and then just like stop the practice or something are you talking about the discomfort during the uh focusing on the breathing verse per se i don't know how yeah. to say your name is that right uh, it's just Corey. um oh it still says verse i thought i changed it to Corey. oh um, maybe i'll have to change it again but um the uh, um you said at the end that like you're having a lot of success and things are going really good but then you were saying that like you do the practice and then you would kind of feel uncomfortable or discomfort or you would come some kind of like stop. So uh, do you have any idea about what that might be or have you looked into it or felt anything, any intuitions maybe? Well, well, Alex, what do you think the solution is there? Let's hear it from you. Well, it's just same, same thing. Just uh, I, I can make friends with this. I yeah. can be friends this? with this. Mm. Yeah. The, can you be comfortable with the discomfort? That I, I think that's kind of like the approach that we would that we would take right. here is that we see right. this thing here. Oh wow, look at that! I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see it. Now I can relax. Maybe it's kind of the approach yeah. we take. You know, I can relax around this discomfort. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. And then start talking yourself into wholesome thoughts again until it comes up again, and then you do the same thing again. Yeah, Keep exactly. And I, honestly, I, I don't. I have no idea what it is. I, I, I've looked into some things. Like I've heard maybe it could be like kriyas, kriyas, if I'm saying that correctly. Kriyas. Yeah. So, I, you know, but I don't know how much it really matters to actually know what these things are as it does yeah. to just uh, practice correctly. Well, you would want to know what you're avoiding like you would want to know what's so bad about it because 
certain things just have a negative feeling to them, you know? It doesn't feel good to feel punched in the balls, no matter how much you do on an Apanasati. And if you don't realize what the, what you're removing, it's kind of like you're doing it out of fear. There is some kind of block. And so I'm all about wholesome thoughts and stuff, but I like to know which unwholesome thought I'm removing. I like to have understanding and awareness of it, you know? That's just my practice. I don't just go by the same kind of Domorado group practices, so don't feel like you have to do that or anything. I just kind of... No, that's uh, actually a good point, Corey, because uh, before I met Domorado for about a year and a half, all I did was just focus on the sensations and the feelings that were present and get to know them really well and get really, really right. intimate with the experience. Um, and sometimes that turned into wallowing in the experience. Sometimes it turned into right. um, glorifying the experience. Like, oh, wow, there's all this sadness. That there's, there's, oh, my gosh, all this stuff is coming up. That's great. I'm on the path. Oh, wow, th- I'm, I'm processing. Things are, things are going really well here while, that, while still being like, ah! you know. So something that I, like, that I think this has helped, like how this practice has helped me in particular um, is to counterbalance that year and a half of intense looking at the garbage, you know, getting to know what mm-hmm. the garbage looks like, smells like, feels like, tastes like, all that, right? <laughs> but, but, it, but at the same, I, it, it's weird, Corey. I'm not, I don't have this resolved yet, bro. I don't have this resolved, but what I've heard is like the most simple way to this, in this path is Duca Duca Naroda dissatisfaction and the relief from dissatisfaction and people can get stuck for years and years and years in the oh i haven't known my pain long enough i need to keep knowing my pain i need to keep it coming i need to make sure it's coming i was afraid actually for a long time that if i didn't it, that if i tried to make myself feel good or feel better i would be like mm-hmm. making problems for myself i would be making the path longer actually but it's interesting though right yeah well yeah no like intuitively you just know you need some balance you need something other than there's definitely a difference between like understanding things but then it's sometimes if you like you're very well aware of what these feelings are like you've been doing the work into them sometimes that it's it's not really any known feeling it's just kind of like a black unknown confusion and even if you look into it it's like it doesn't really it's like a limit or a barrier, you know, and it's right. even if we try to look into it. Yeah. So to some extent, it's not like there what there could have been anything there, you know, it could have just been some kind of blankness or void or confusion or a limit. And, you know, um, yeah, like I definitely don't support rumination. I definitely don't like right. the idea of ruminating. But um, yeah, you know, and like I, I don't know how long it takes, whether it's three, six or 12 months or uh, fucking uh, five years. But at some point. Like, you know, it's not really wise to kind of veer from the path, you know, like in the beginning, when you're building up this kind of platform, like you've just, it's been like four days, you've had so much results, you know? So at this point, you know, there's no reason to like jeopardize it with like maverick tricks and trying new things and experimenting, you know, it's about right. like building a platform in the beginning. And then later on, 
I didn't really want to talk about it too much. I was just kind of like curious if it had a negative feeling to it or if it was that black unknown. I don't know what that is, but. Well, I, well, I would it, actually encourage you, Alex, to uh, to in- investigate it, even though we're saying, oh, like, you know, the practice is not to stick your hand into Duca, stick your face into it and, you know, all that type of stuff. But uh, I, would, I would encourage you to investigate it from the standpoint, from the high perch of satisfaction. And that's when yes. you can investigate it at, at it most clearly. And that's when you can exactly. really see what's going on anyways. Exactly. So, and, and that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Like, like Corey, uh, I, I think I have investigated it because at first this feeling at, at first glance is it's like, oh, man, this is really uncomfortable. I can't deal with this. OK, thought thought one. Right. Oh, OK. I can be friends with this. All right. Keep going. Wait a minute. There's 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 enjoyment in this. There's actually some feelings of pleasure. It's like going throughout my whole body, the energy I've never experienced. OK. It's enjoyable and uncomfortable now. So I, I think I was investigating it because I wouldn't have been able to see the nuances. You know, a lot of times we're just like, oh, that's terrible. That's awful. But I was seeing that that's not the case. It's a really it's weird just, phenomenon. Everyone would think that bliss would be super addictive. You know, we'd think that like, oh, shit, I'm experiencing bliss. You would just you'd think that that would naturally compel you to automatically do it all the time. But that's all. That's actually not the case most of the times. Like a lot of people, I don't so know. We could maybe say like feeling 30, bad 30. already. You already have a different addiction. So <laughs> yeah. So I mean, in a big enough population, who knows what the percentages are? You know. But there's definitely, you know, some people are more leaning towards feeling good all the time, and for them, they get lost in the bliss states. And other people, yes. like you know, they can't allow themselves. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's yep. just always been a, an interesting point for me because it's like. Oh, wow, I experienced this amazing thing. Oh, why don't I just do that all the time? Shit. Um, but right. actually, I haven't even really looked into that a whole lot because, you know, if I did, maybe I would. No, I think I did at one point. And it came down to some kind of addiction or, you know, like. It was like something I was like, well, if I'm addicted to it, if I have to do it all the time, it's just going to cause issues. And so even if it's nice to be blissful, I'm not going to want to be blissful all the time. Then I'm just going to be suffering and desiring something other than the way things are, you know, ironically, that makes things more blissful anyways. So yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great path of discovery to be going down, you know, it's not like we're digging for landmines. We're like digging for bliss bombs. And every time we find one, we're like, Oh, I just got blown the shit out of, I feel so good right now. (laughs) Just so blissful. So it's definitely a fun path to be on. And you know, the wards are really great. Alex, by the way, you kind of mentioned uh, you stated something in a way that I feel like maybe we could point out that when you do have something that I guess you, you know, contacts you in a negative way, I mean, there is a physiological response in the body. You know, chemicals are dumped out into the body. So yep. if you think about it, like it, you, you have the next wholesome thought that, that produces, you know, good feeling, right? But you still have some, you know, it's like if I, if I had a, uh, had a laundromat, in a, at a certain parcel you know, in, real, in real estate terms, like the, the site could be, you know, polluted, you know what I mean? Like it, you got to clean it out. So you, the bre- that's where the breathing comes into play. So that next breath is also getting rid of more of that stuff. And then that wholesome thought is taking over into more of the positive feelings anyway. So it's on its way out. You know, you can kind of look at it that way. But Robert, you've, you've had your hand up for a minute. What's up, man? Yeah. What's up, Robert? Um, so 
What I was going to say before was to just, um, when I first put the hand up, was to just agree with Corey that I think just keep keep doing what you're doing, keep the momentum going, and do it playfully as well. So something I do a lot is I'll I'll feel like, wow, I've got a really good momentum with my practice going, and then that thought that I want to like keep this momentum up and not lose it will make me more stressed out and um, yes, it'll backfire. Yes. So keep the momentum going and do it playfully, and also. There was something you said, um, which was, you know, how long have I known Duca for? Like, am I, have I known Duca well enough now? And I think a good way to yeah. think about that is, at least for me, I feel like the more satisfied I am, um, the better I, the better I actually know Duca, because the more, um, the more clarity I have around those sensations and space on those sensations, and I can sort of, I can, uh, when I'm less, um, we might say, like emotionally reactive to like the negative sensations or um attached to them getting rid of them that is like the more we can sort of or i can sort of just like just see 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 a clearer picture like a higher resolution image of what's there mm -hmm. I, I think, think that's, that's really the, important the development of the wisdom yeah. robert uh because the way that dom Rado describes the wisdom is that knowing where things are headed knowing where things are going and so when the mind is clear and sharp, you can see just the slightest, the slightest gray, you know, like the slightest hint of gray. It's yeah. not even worth, it's not even worth messing with that. You know, we don't need, yes. even need to go down that path. I know where that's headed. Let's go into another wholesome thought here. Everything's fine. That's okay too. This is okay too. Yeah, I've, and... I've not... um, no, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I've I've noticed what you're talking about when I do get a lot of momentum up and I'm and the practice is going well and I've been peaceful for a long time. What you just explicated is is exactly actually what I was experiencing earlier today because I had a lot of momentum with my practice, where like negative sensations I don't even need to practice um, gladdening the mind or throwing them out and replacing them because they just sort of as I don't even they just don't even phase me really. It, it'll arise and it'll just pass away on its own. And that's really yes. cool when that's awesome. Yeah, thanks yes. for mentioning that. That's awesome. I love that you said that because that's that I think that was actually something that hit me early on. That was something that made me discouraged that when I experienced all the success, I would then get a thought of like I'm tired. Oh, I can't do it. I can't, I don't know how to keep this up now. Like I don't want to feel bad. Well, that's unwholesome right yeah. there. And then it starts cascading, but the whole thing is can this be good enough? This is good enough. This must be good enough. Earlier today, I felt like I had this moment where I felt so freaking good. I was walking and I was like, oh man, I really like this. And I had a moment where I was like, wait, I'm not holding on to this. This, if this goes, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Let it go. This is good enough. And that was a true moment of wisdom for me because it was like, it, whenever those times happen, you know what? It's so starsh. It's so, uh, Start starstrucking, you know, you're like, you're like, whoa, whoa, what is this? <laughs> right. And then you want to hold on to it. And it's when yeah. you want to hold on to it that causes worry, causes clinging, craving. And then, you know, yeah, you're so looking backwards like, again, right? We're looking backwards into the past instead of forward into the next moment. It's yeah, it's like that. Never mind. Exactly. Start again. I'm going to, um, exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to rewatch this episode and write down some of the things you've been saying, Alex, like the, I can be friends with this, and um, what was the one you just mentioned? Um, I'm gonna let it go. That's fine. 
this moment can go. That's okay. Yeah, good it enough. Can, it good can enough. leave. I love that. Yeah, th I love this that. must good be enough. good enough. Yeah. yeah. It's like an I, insistence. There's a good, there's a good I've recent video that Don Rado did. Uh, it's like 16 minutes, but he has like, he just like kind of says a bunch of those similar types of phrases about um, oh, that's that you could maybe incorporate. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, Alex, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've had an insistence on feeling bad. I have, I've had an insistence on doubt and believing in these things. Now I'm having an insistence on this being good enough. There you go. That's, that's the new way. That's what we were saying. Like that, that's changing the mind. And when you guys yeah. are saying about, uh, seeing like, uh, Oh, I want to like, I don't want to lose this. Like that thought. Like I, I really like when Dom Rado just says the phrase, see that one too. It's yes, just more exactly. <laughs> exactly. See and, that and my too. version of that is like, I can be friends with this. Cause it's just like, Oh, there's not, there's no danger here. Okay. That's fine. All right. Yep. Um, you know, one of the issues. Yeah. What was that? Um, is that Corey? The that... Yeah. It's, yeah. Go ahead, Corey. But I, I can ask mine later. Not that important. The, um, one of the things that I noticed is kind of like the, one of the issues that comes with thinking like where it creates problems is in its ability to make us focus on something like have you ever noticed how thoughts come and go right if we look yeah. at what that experience feels like it's like a, a concentration right it's like it's coming to us and then it's going away um but with that the issue is that it somehow drags us into our mind realm you know we're yes. not in the body we're not in the now and so the compounded issue with that you know the way that the thoughts drag us into the mind uh, because they all seem so interesting it's always well, the like, problem you know, there isn't just... with the thoughts. The problem there is with the unwholesome thoughts that take us out of the body, that take us out of, you know, the hair. Now we can have wholesome thoughts that are, wow, this breath feels really good right now. Wow, you know, the yeah. hair on my skin feels really good right now. You know, you can talk yourself into the present moment. I, yeah, I just yeah. haven't even really understood what I'm talking about. The concept, like it could, I don't even think it has to do with thoughts. I think it has to do with the way that thoughts appear in the mind, kind of like as the process of thoughts happen. If we don't come to understand the source of thoughts and why they happen and why they create suffering, naturally, just because of the way that, I don't know, it could be a lot of different things too, you know, like evolution, the way the language was evolved, the, the power of language, whatever. You know, if we didn't have thoughts, we would just have experiences of reality. It would all be these incredibly condensed and multi-dimensional complex. Because if you ever look at the sensations you have in a single day, there's like a million of them. And somehow, every time, we always know what it means, right? So there is some process by which external stimuli comes in through your senses. And it's like, you know how there's like a million colors between black and white? Wait, 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 wait. Corey, so, so if, if I had Jeff Bezos' credit card right now, I could make a lot of things happen, but that's not the case, and I'm not going to get rid of thought. We're not, like, trying to get rid of thoughts here. That's, I don't We're think that that's... We're not talking about uh, that. I'm talking about examining the process of how thoughts occur, arise, and why they cause suffering, you know? But you're it's, saying... It's about it, just, sounds, it sounds like you're saying that, that thoughts, and, like, it, just the attitude towards the thoughts it's like let's let's bring them into friendship instead of like you know well i think that that's just how you're taking it i'm approaching it in curiosity it's curious to me why this happens 
I examine it because I'm curious about it, not because I hate the thought, not because I want to eliminate it, anything like that. I'm just curious about it. I'm like, oh, well, you know, curiosity is a weird one because you could be curious about something and be like, nah. You could be curious about something and go with it with the pure intensity of your heart. So curiosity is a really weird one because it's not really uh, compulsion or aversion. It's in between. It's just kind of like, well, this thing is, why is that happening? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Um, so that's what I'm kind of getting at here is a sense of curious of the way things are now. And one of the things that I have, you know, been curious about and examined is the way that the thoughts do that. And it's part of the, you know, we're not just talking about one thing here. We're not talking about an object separate from everything else. We're talking about the process of reality, how it unfolds in us as human beings. You know, we go through the world, we experience things through our senses, and that's one layer of data, right? Um, and then on another layer of data, when that, let's say, I think they have Sanskrit words for this. When the information goes from our senses into our mind, it becomes a thought. That's what we're experiencing when we experience thoughts. It's our Perception. mind organizing. Yeah, it's our mind organizing this raw sensory data, which like I said, if you examine it, there's like a million and a billion combinations of it. But it's amazing that every we never feel confusion about it. The sensations always come up in our mind it's, and it's, we have it's a coming, thought about it's it. Coming from, it's coming from the old material. That's, that's, I mean, that's how we know a tree is a tree. It's because we've, we've figured that out before. And, that's how that's the right. old way yeah and so I, like Corey, um, i'm curious um sorry Corey. i i think we should really just let you talk rather than uh keep interrupting you but if maybe this goes in the direction of what you already saying could you just answer what is it that like what are you, i'm curious about why you're curious about thoughts Uh, because they're always happening, they're problematic a lot of the times, and they create suffering. And they relate to our ego and sense of self, as well as it's like our greatest power and our greatest sense of suffering. So the fact that this mysterious thing of thoughts and mind and words and language just is a, it's a, you know, if I looked at a flower, I could be equally amazed by the flower. Mm. But because this thought is much closer to my experience of reality, it's something that I'm more curious about more often. And so I think about it more often, you know? Um, to me, this kind of strikes then, me as, uh, and I, it just reminds me of the, the sutta about, you know, getting struck by the arrow and then wanting to know, you know, what kind of feathering was on the arrow? You know, what was the arrow made out of? Who shot it? Where does the guy live who shot the arrow? You know, where do you go to school? Uh, you know, what's his credit score? Like, can how about we just actually work on, uh, you know, taking care of my, my wound here. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, no, anybody. that's what I think this process is. If you understand it, you know how to, to remedy it, you know? But, if you know but, that the issue is that the mind, well, we have an experience and we create a thought and the, then the we rem, attach the to it and we have a... To, we have the remedy. It's the wholesome ones instead of the unwholesome ones. Well, well I think it's important. Right. I'm, I'm curious. Hey, hey Corey. Uh, what is a what is an example of a thought that causes suffering for you? Um, there was just one earlier today. I was I, this headache. I've had a headache for like four hours. It's a splitting migraine, terrible pain headache. And, uh, you know, I was just do, going about it the regular way, just living, 
you know, you do Anapanasati and you're wholesome and you're not feeling it so much. And then suddenly you focus on doing your work and suddenly you're like, damn, this headache's back. What's going on with this thing, you know? And today when I got off work, I was just kind of walking my dog and I was like, all right, I'm going to look into that and see what is causing so much suffering about this thought. And the, the experience of the headache is pounding in the head and it's kind of like, you know, uh, kind of like a doling of my mind. It's kind of like maybe a little bit of confusion too. I just feel scrambled, but oh, it's just a bundle of sensations. There's no negativity in it. And then when I look a little bit deeper, the thought component that is creating suffering is the projection into the future that this headache will never go away. Even though in my higher mind, or I could you know examine it further and be like, literally never even heard of a person have a headache that never goes away. But that component of painful or unwholesome or whatever whatever you want to call it it's like a component of uh, a kind of automatic thought process that you know what we desire or what we really enjoy what feels pleasurable it, what is the sensation of pleasure it's wanting now to always continue and what is the feeling of pain or suffering it's wanting now to be gone to just want to want to run away from it you know so yes yeah, sensation so of like mm -hmm. So, sorry, go ahead. Uh, that, that was pretty much a full thought. I mean, I was just thinking about when I realized that when I looked into what is the component of suffering, what is the thought causing issues, or what is it that's even causing issues? It's this automatic process that the mind has set up around sensations of pleasure or pain. Pain is bad because we, the mind predicts that it's going to continue forever or that it's going to end the life or somehow damage our health, right? Health is very important to uh, to our experience of good and bad. And so things that are going to damage our health or damage our body, and our body is essentially the foundation of health. That's, you know, health can't arise without our body, at least not as I've experienced it. So really coming to understand that there are components to these experiences that are deeper I mean, than the sensation. on how important you think, that you think it is, but. Well, I didn't think that it's I want to say, so Corey, I want to say something to this. First of all, it's really awesome that you're seeing all that. I don't know, like if you, if you, uh, like hat, like if you do this at all in your practice, you like you congratulate yourself or acknowledge yourself for seeing these things. That's like the first step. Like, it's really great. You're seeing that stuff. It's really, really important because if you didn't see it, if you didn't see what was going on in the mind, or what was going on in your thought processes or everything that you just mentioned to me, you wouldn't be able to go any further. Like you, you have to see it first, right? That's what it is. Like, that's what the Buddhist path is you, you, to wake up, to see things as they are. So you're seeing things. Um, I would like to, I would like to offer something to you or ask you to consider that the thoughts you're talking about when you say, that the reason for suffering is thoughts, that that is incomplete and that the reason for suffering in it really is, is unwholesome thoughts, not absolutely thoughts, not a thought. Oh, that looked really cool. Oh, wow. That tree looks amazing. Oh, I'm having fun time with it's all like you this guys. Layering of thought. There's no, there's no, there's no unwholesomeness in that. There's no suffering in that would you agree in those kinds of thoughts right yeah like if my body and brain if i'd never learned what death was 
if I just lived in constant bliss, where would I ever have that unwholesome thought? It's really, it's a, it's a layering of thought or it's a layering of concept upon experience. If I never had the experience, if I never seen anyone else with a headache, and if I never experienced death or knew of death, where would that pain and suffering come from? Because like I said, it's not within the experience itself. It's within the mind adding this concept of, it's, a, it's like a train of thought, you know? And it's like, um, and we, we say train of thought, really it's just one long thought. But the thought is like, okay, I feel bad. This might continue forever. I might not get better. You know, it's these added layers of like feeling bad, damage to brain, feeling bad, death tomorrow, feeling yeah. bad, unhealth, never recover, right? I, I think something that could like, that could help you specifically, I, I relate a lot to what you're saying, man. Like you're, you're very like, you're very analytical about it. You're, you're, you're like looking at it like it's under a microscope, like you're in a, like you're in a science lab right now. Um, and that's kind of how I relate to it as well prior to starting this practice. Um, and what I've noticed let's, is let's like, dumb it down now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like really what it is, is like wanting things to be different than they are mm -hmm. wanting things to be different than they are. That right there is the definition of dukkha dissatisfaction, your headache. The reason why you have all these unwholesome thoughts about your headache is because you want it to be different than how it is, which you kind of pointed to that because you were like, I'm afraid it's going to be here forever. You're only afraid it's going to be here forever because you want it to be different than how it is. So when I like, when you get sick, when you get a headache, when you feel like shit, when you feel anxiety, that's an opportunity to be like, Oh, Oh, okay. I see that. Hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to try to make friends with this right here. It's not sometimes enough to just see it as raw sensation, see it as garbage, because what you're left with is still seeing it as garbage. You know what I mean? And, and that doesn't actually, at least what I've found just in the past week, it doesn't actually, it, it may work. But it just may take longer, honestly. Like how much garbage do you need to see before you can start picking it up? You know what I mean? Picking up the trash is saying, oh, I'm noticing I'm wanting things to be different than they are. Okay. That's so great. That is so great that I'm seeing that. That is a success. I acknowledge that I see that. I'm going to take a breath right now. Oh, man, that was so enjoyable. And then in that, in that second, that mini second right after the breath, there's nothing. There's nothing. It's like that unwholesome thought, that unwholesome feeling that was there just a second ago. It's, it's never to be found. Oh, and then maybe it comes back. Okay. Oh, I see it again. Good. All right. I'm going to get my Swiffer out, <laughs> you know? So like, just like something that if that offers you anything, man, I think as a good friend tells me often, you make it complicated for yourself and it's making it complicated that also really kind of compounds that dukkha. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, yeah, it's a long-term issue. Like you don't just root it out um, immediately. Like it comes over time, you know, and uh, people have different ways. Like when I say I'm experiencing these things, I'm not really even talking about my, uh, the experience that I have afterwards, which is, you know, not really bliss, not really that it's more of like tranquility, right? The suffering goes away when I realize what it is and I realize how it's a false component, a projection into a future that might never happen. So yeah, I mean, this is this is like what works, and I I also do the Anapanasati as well.
you know like oh, i cool. don't just try to yeah they they blend with each other you know mm-hmm. they do you do anapanasati yeah it helps you to kind of get to a deeper layer of mind you know because um i just i've heard a lot about the disturbance of mind right the, the when your mind is disturbed it is an unpleasant sensation you know thoughts follow one another very rapidly we tend to have a lot of thoughts you know and a lot of experiences you know and so anapanasati helps to calm down the mind and when your mind is calm you could actually you know when i say mind mind is so vast and there's so many different dimensions of mind that it's really hard to kind of nail down exactly which component of mind i'm talking about but um yeah, no, like the issue that I think everybody on earth really, not, maybe not everybody, but, you know, pretty much everybody, we all have this mind that works in habitual and unconscious ways, and we're trying to wake up, we're trying to be conscious of how the mind works, and to, you know, get it into a better way, you know, for, through whatever method works, really. Um, yeah, no, and there's like, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, it would be great if I could find some way that just kind of immediately works and the, the issues are, they never come up again, you know? And so I haven't really found any magic bullet yet. That you're you're, you're never going to, you're never going to find that. And the only, the, and it's not a long-term process at all. It's a right now, it's a right <laughs> now thing. It only ever happens in the now. Um, if yeah. we're talking about but feeling I, good I would, right now, sure. If we're talking about and eliminating only, the source what that's creating suffering right for all time what there's only ever right now right but (laughs) all time is a concept all time is a concept us really say that that um you know doing these practices like Keyshawn, how long have you been doing these practices how long have you been in bliss mode uh (laughs) whenever i remember Right, so there's only whenever now. I remember, it's not permanent, it's not common anymore. So like, right, you're nothing basically permanent. saying there's a cycle. Permanent. You're never going to catch that permanent. You're never going to catch that permanent. Have you guys ever been not, lost you, in bliss state? Not lost. Lost, lost in, in bliss, bliss state? state? Lost. Because that sounds crazy, like lost in bliss states. Like you're so blissed out, like you can't even find like right from left. Like, oh my, I can't even imagine. <laughs> That's where I'm trying to go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe you're not. Maybe you're not thinking about left or right, because you're thinking about how good things are. Oh, oh, that's deep. Actually, I really like that. <laughs> yeah, I think I like it'd be fun to experience it at least a little bit. You know, like there's. It's basically like you know, the world's most potent opiate. You know, like there are ways to unlock levels of pleasure and you know euphoria in the mind. You know, that just are unhuman, but. We wouldn't say that that's such a good idea because then what goes up must come down and eventually like unless you find some way to ultimately sustain that which i don't really think i've ever heard of um or i've never really heard of anybody wanting maybe i don't know some tantric monsters they're really into that they're really kind of a hedonistic you know spirituality and so their idea of the goal is to have varying levels of bliss you know mediocre bliss extreme euphoric bliss bliss out of your mind and I have heard of ecstatic states, um, you know, like certain, it's usually like someone who's in trance, usually they're in like a state of trance, they're uh, chanting and doing mantra, and then they get so far out of their mind that their body just overloads with like pure bliss, and they get kind of like, you know, kind of weird a little bit, but 
bringing the conversation back to the to the to the noble dhamma here something that we had talked about yesterday um regarding the self that that came up for me today on the topic of uh feeling like really good um basically i noticed to myself like when i you know practice when you practice and you start feeling really good and then you're like first for me right now at least it's like i get this insatiable urge to like go and share it with someone or like mm-hmm. go like tell a friend or go talk about the dom or something like that and um i noticed that and i mentioned that um to to i think brandon and we kind of had the discussion and we pointed out that actually uh when we do get into that state of satisfaction that there's not really much of a room for a self there at all and so uh, if there's no room for self, then we can't be selfish. You know, there's there's no room for selfishness there. And then if I were to keep all that joy to myself, I would be selfish. So it, it makes complete sense that it's just a natural outpouring of that joy because there's no bucket. There's no self to be holding it selfishly in there. Mm. So it's kind of like a, a very yeah. natural uh, I, no self. That's the real that's the real no self is, is, is the lack of that selfishness. I, I heard about a thoughts experiment, which is that um, if you had just infinite like happiness forever, what would you do? And the sort of the conclusion of the experiment is that you would just try and be kind to others because there would there would be nothing you could do for yourself. So everything you do would have to be for other people. So that that makes a lot of sense. And I that feel makes like, sense to me. Yeah. Like I can't. I've never been like well, not never, but like it's very difficult to like intentionally be me really good like like who's like in a really happy mood and they're just like going around being nasty to people like it just doesn't really happen when you're in a good mood you just like you're just like a nice person to be around it's like i think that connection so beautiful yeah. it's like maybe it, actually it was so funny this was happening on the end. bus it was so funny this was happening on the bus and i'm just like it was just like oh look at this nice old lady here <laughs> it's just like any random person is just like a friend you know it's like wow great I think when you uh, practice like Anapanasati or yeah, I think that it's Anapanasati and practicing wholesomeness is a great way to open the heart, you know, and it's through that that we can experience kind of more of a kind of bliss. I don't know if it happens to you guys, but I've noticed when I say I notice, I mean, it's not permanent. It's like in various experiences that I haven't been able to pinpoint all the components of. There are times when Anapanasati affects me like mentally, it calms my mind. Other times, it calms my mind and opens my heart. Other times, it gives me a, like a higher point of centeredness where I could see my mind and I could see my heart and I could see reality. So that's a really interesting thing for me. And I think that like, you know, opening of the heart, maybe, I, I know that everyone is different. That's Some so people cool. don't have heart have you heard, issues. Have, yeah, but for sorry, me. Have you heard of, oh, yeah. um, have you heard of the Brahmaviras? Because it's that sounds like descriptions of the different Brahmaviras. No, it's like four states. It's like in Buddhism, there's like four states called the um, divine abodes, and then the translation or the Pali word for that is Brahmaviras, and they're just like I think Meta is like one of the states, and then there's like three others, which all have like their sort of own like unique flavor of like happiness, and they're like states that you can yeah. like construct for yourself with like practices like Anapanasati and meditation things meta, and stuff. Meta, that sounds like you might have experienced some like, of those which is really cool could be something to look into yeah 
you're, you're gonna yeah, no, I definitely gonna experience all those as outcomes of the practice basically is what's happening i mean it's just you know a certain degree of you know satisfaction is gonna if you're satisfied then you know that's gonna kind of rub off on other people that's like that karuna you know aspect or whatever um it's, it's just kind of it's really not something that's yeah. uh that's really that high up there it's just kind of a it just makes sense that that happens it's just pretty pretty natural it's are you, definitely are you guys, a, a common experience to do it on accident, but when you get to the point where you do it consciously because you know the causes and conditions and you're doing a practice to bring it about consciously, frequently, and to where it becomes like a, a habit almost, that's when it becomes like something special, you know? Like when it's not yeah, external, when you're not stumbling into it. That's like the level 99 states. meditator. It's like you can just like will yourself into like whatever <laughs> state you want, just like... Boom. Matter. Well, it's still not special, yeah. Dennis. It's, it's joy. It's you know, like... the direction of this becomes ordinary. <laughs> Dude, literally, we're just like, we're, someone's like, we're literally experiencing the most high states of emotion and positivity. And Keyshawn's like, no, 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 no. It's not that special. Literally, just... we could all do that. You know, literally, like three well, people on earth can do it. He's like, ain't that special, as, man? I as, want as, as, long, as long as it's special, you won't be able to do it. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. When, it, when, it, or, when it's ordinary, <laughs> it's no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. I love that. I love yeah. Because <laughs> it isn't. Because it isn't. And thinking it's a big deal is what keeps it away from you. You know? Yeah. Well, I just then you chase it. Then you chase it. And you know you, oh, yeah, what you yeah. chase, you don't get. <laughs> you know, I just kind of, I just thought of something that I want to share with you. It's kind of like interesting, like a state, if you think about it in terms of like a physical manifestation, like a state, it's there's there's one end to a state and there's another end to a state. It's it's literally surrounded by a boundary and it's not permanent. So anything that like is a state is not it. It's not actually like, I guess there'd be a, it's not satisfaction, yeah. uh, it, it's not cessation. Yeah. Right, because yeah. it's it's actually additive. Yeah, that's cessation. There's, yeah, there's definitely cessation to that. But one of these states, world. Like, yeah, if you if you one of these states is what we would call, yeah, no, but what we will call one of these would be like non-dual ultimate bliss and liberation or something, right? It's the fundamental state, and because it's fundamental, it's omnipresent, and it is blissful and peaceful and tranquil to be in. So it's there it's like other states obscure this state of non-dual, you know, ultimate bliss or tranquility. Just to conceptualize what you're saying, Corey, it's sort of like because I've contemplated this so much, like is it all just and different states with different qualities, or is there like a true ground of being that the other states are just happening on top of and taking me further away from and obscuring and stuff and and I, I don't have a straight answer for that. Do you think there is like a like a truly like a a rock bottom like ground zero of like consciousness that we can access? It's a, to me when I've experienced it, it's very hard to describe because it feels like freedom, and freedom isn't bound to a single state, right? This omnipotent fundamental layer it doesn't have a kind of permanent quality to it because everything else appears in it and goes out of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, like it does seem to be fundamental and omnipresent. At the same time, everything comes, because it's omnipresent, everything else is coming and going in it or somehow is intersectional with it, right? 
could be different dimensions, yeah, different yeah. planes. So, are yeah, you that, familiar that with whole, that, Keyshawn? I don't know. These guys are. I, I have no idea what you guys are talking about right now. <laughs> it's basically like the perfection of Anapanasati. I, I feel when like you I'm do in, I feel like I'm in the calculus enough. three right now. It's a bit philosophical. It's a bit philosophical. Look, here, here's, what it is here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. I don't know, and I don't care. I know everything's fine. No worries. Sure. We're chilling. Well, well yeah, Kishan, that's that's a fair proposition. That's a good argument. Have you ever heard of? Have you I ever heard that, of? I think that's the argument that the Buddha would make. <laughs> have you ever heard of non-duality? Yeah. Yeah, that of was like so. a big yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of it. I've, I've heard of it, but it's just, you know, it's just more more things to, to, to move away, in my opinion, to move away from what the actual, you know, teaching of the Buddha is. But I think that is, I mean, I, I think the, that is the, noted, the non, though, in the teaching of the Buddha, isn't it? Well, I, I'm just talking about, like, the kind of, well, yeah, that. I would say is definitely, you know, in terms of, you know, being, we, we just kind of talked about it, you know, coming out of that state of selfishness, you know, being selfless. That's, that's where, that's where you, there's no room for uh, you versus me in that state. You know? So, but when we, I feel like when we start to get into the, you know, kind of typical Western Buddhism trigonometry class, that it, it, just, it just doesn't really resonate <laughs> with me anymore. I was, I was once there at a certain uh, point in my life, but not anymore. So. Yeah, I, I, I relate to that. Yeah. I can feel myself moving away from that and more to just, uh, am I happy now? Like speaking in like normal like everyday layman's terms and like not to me like to me to me all the other stuff is just wanting stuff it's just wanting stuff it's just wanting stuff that's not here right now how that being said to that point what i have heard is that the paradoxically right in in being satisfied with right now in 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 having this moment be good enough as it is paradoxically there is a progression there is a trajectory. There is, you know, maybe you'll experience non-duality or, or whatever, or uh, this, uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I've experienced yeah. things before, but um, experiences are experiences. They come and go. I, I think that the best thing you could do with an experience is either be able to replicate it or forget about it as quickly as possible. Hmm. That the worst thing that could happen that happens to a meditator is having an experience, anyways. Oh, well, actually, I would, I I would actually argue that uh, wanting to replicate it. Well, I mean, I guess you know, if I you're want, talking not about wanting to replicate it, but replicate, but actually, if you like, you let's say you tell me that you you know you 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 flew to Mars last night, and then my question is, can you fl- you fly to Mars right now? Like, can you do it right now? <laughs> Go ahead and do it right now. If not, then you yeah. Know, well, yeah. well, if you throw away at the thought. Yeah. What if what if it takes me two hours of meditation to work up to it? Well, the only thing I was going to say is that all experiences, as we know, are arising and passing away. Right? Experiences are experiences. They're like states. They're bounded by itself. They're 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 not uh, they're not um, they don't stay. Right? Even if you try to get an experience to stay, it doesn't stay. Like if you so I don't. 
I don't think it matters. Just, it's not important. Yeah, but I, feel I like, do think they'll still happen. I feel like Keyshawn's approach is a bit more down to earth and a bit more practical, and that's why I think I'm sort of drifting more towards that than like the um, same. Than like the like final enlightenment, full arahant, ultimate goal, liberation, like Daniel Ingram approach. Not the thing wrong with like that. Sounds like you. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. Oh no, no, that's no, all good. Um, I did want to yeah add something because talking about this is making me think again of um like non-self right and also the connection between impermanence right and so again you can kind of go through a very sort of interesting investigation into the non-self you know and that sort of thing like the aggregates and all that you know. But like the main thing is ultimately, what is it in service of? What is the point of it? And of course we come back to Duca Duca Naroda. So you can go into all these investigations of like, okay, yes. the body is non-self, you know, these mental processes, these thoughts are non-self, this is non-self, this arises, this passes away. But ultimately we come back to Duca Duca Naroda. Let's be satisfied right so i spent some time doing like the noting practice and stuff and that was interesting and stuff but again that's why when coming back to this sort of um method you know following that sort of lineage of damarato and then going back bhikkhu buddha dasa and stuff of like the gliding in the mind and coming back to just being satisfied right you can still go into very in, in a satisfied way like enjoying the breath and doing these investigations at the same time, saying, hey, this is not self. This arises, this passes away. These are sensations dancing, <laughs> you know? It's all good stuff, right? But I think also there's a certain level, again, when you go with that, where it's like, hey, like it also is sort of that non-dual thing as well, right? You know, yeah. yeah. Exactly. The, the non-self thing I is kind that, of overblown, to be completely honest. I think it's uh, it's more of a, it's more of a pre, it's more of a uh, tool of understanding. Precisely, really yeah. the, the, the proper cool. the proper translation mm -hmm. is that um, non-soul that we're not a permanent soul. What does that mean? Precisely, well, we just got yeah. into it. You just said that we have the five aggregates, which are constantly mm -hmm. changing. The body's constantly yep. changing. The mind is constantly changing. The thoughts are constantly changing, etc. So therefore, if we are not a permanent self, mm -hmm. permanent soul, that means that we can change our unwholesome mm -hmm. thoughts into wholesome thoughts, that we can change the whole sort of uh, aggregate of things that we have, start breathing better, start changing the whole thing into a position where actually you could start to say that the, the, the truth in the non-self is that we're already, we already don't have one unified self right now, that we're a crowd inside, we're pushing and pulling in this direction, wanting this, wanting that, wanting to get rid of that. We're proud inside. So maybe we start to unify, I think, to put some self in there, the self that we think that we already mm -hmm. have, which we really don't, um, and put some actual Whoa, self in there. I think like, we're just uni unify, yeah. unify that's, uh, the mind that's a, and come like to a state of satisfaction. And that's, <laughs> that's our Duke of Duke and the road. That's where we start to put in. And it, it's all, it all happens in this one, you know, right here now with like, okay, this unwholesome thought. We can change that because we're not permanent. We can change it to a person. Yeah. Um, do you think that's what is what you're talking about? Sort of like um, the thing where you like, you know, when you become mindful, you sort of like it's like taking a step back, and you sort of become like aware of like more of like, you know, I guess like internal processes and stuff. So it's like you'd have these like tug of war, warring selves, 
and then when you become mindful it's like you can become aware of both of them so it's like now you're like neither of them but you're like unified it's just like in the sense that you're like aware of them whereas before you thought you were one of them and then thought you were the other is that sort of what you're talking about um like that taking a step back fully follow but i would say like I, i would say like when like you're talking about with the being a crowd inside like it's yeah yeah like like we'd have like i would just different say from the experience of, of actually starting to feel unified starting to feel like wow i feel like whole now i feel like everything's okay that's not how we felt before we felt you know we we had we were getting hit left and right with you know unwholesome thoughts and thoughts about things that aren't here right now and making us feel bad but then actually we start to change this one my mold one one thought after another, one mind moment after another, we start to uh, put it into step, put it into rhythm, put it into rhyme. Uh, you know, everything kind of starts to flow together, starts to unify. And now we are, um, you could say that now you have like a self working there that is there now, but before it was really just a big crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you have like one objective at a time. You're not thinking about 10 different things and different yes. things at once. Exactly. Or because the one, part the one objective, the, the one the objective thing, is one basically part the freedom from. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I, I, I was just sort of saying back yeah. like what you said to like confirm that I'd understood it. Um, like one part of you wants to do the addictive thing, one part to do the good thing. It's like you're you you have one like goal, one focus. You're you're unified. You're like one one person doing things, and you don't have like the yeah. splitting. Well, yeah. So that that is that that does answer my question. I was just asking if you were talking about becoming mindful and like stepping back and stuff. But no, that answers it. That answers that. I, I know what you mean. Like your motivations become singular. Mm. The, oh, this is making me think again about like, uh, you know, Samadhi or like uh, more Damarato's, you know, kind of description of it, like the unification of mind, like it coming together. Right. And it's that's like exactly strong. It yeah. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, I mean, I think I've heard someone else say that mind permeates everything. Mind is, we could say, omnipresent, at least for our experience, you know. Um, or and I'm, someone's going to say that Naroda Sampati state, right? But anyways, so what I would suggest is that what we're describing with Anapanasanti, what we're trying to get to with this, you know, mindfulness is the same thing as the non-dual self, right? That's what I think, you know. They are both gateways. You know, Anapanasati is one gateway to get there. And the other one, there's a lot of gateways to get there. But really, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get to what is omnipresent, right? If it's omnipresent that, in the universe. I would just note that Vika Buddhadasa said that the Buddha only taught one practice on a Yeah. Well, I'm not in a position to just take from one person when I could take from many. So, I mean, I it's not my really preference or desire. Well, what but it, I, I, not, you know, ironically, I would, I would also say that... Would, what I would I'd say also that say that the Buddha has given me like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really get, I didn't really get a full scope of what you were describing, but typically when I see, when I look at other practices, it's basically right. some component of Anapanasati, just kind of incomplete, typically. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, when anything is becoming effective and very consistent for like a wide group of people, it becomes more practice and more people investigate it and the the, the progress become or the 
the method and the understanding and the wisdom, it all begins to grow if it's effective and if it does the job, right? So if we look back at, you know, how many, however many millennia of spiritual tradition and stuff, there's always been so many of these different practices that come up and they all have a result, but ultimately it's kind of like a battle of spirituality, right? The most effective one is what is going to be spread. It's going to, you know, do the work because it's the most effective one. It's kind of like a survival of the fittest or something. The right? most effective and, one does not, does not get spread. What has gotten spread is, is religious Buddhism. And that's not even, <laughs> that's literally basically Christianity. I mean, it, that, but you're I mean, kind of looking at the present, the, the past, like you can't see the future. You can't see where this is evolving the human species. And you can't really see from your state of mind, how this is going to affect greater progression of the universe, you know? And so it could entirely be that this is what was needed for the masses at the time to progress into something else. That's you know, true. so what, it could what be goes to the masses yeah, is right. what feeds the instincts. So high, sure. high up there, people on crosses, people in the sky, Buddhas who can see the future and see the past uh, and walk through walls and face through that. There's a wide diversity of people, you that's, know, like there's the, that's what the high level spiritual practitioner has always been rare. And so, you know, the high level teachings, they've also been rare They've been passed down from guru to person. What is made for the masses is a kind of a different thing, right? Because it's they understand that they you know just the metrics of it spirituality you're not going to find kind of spiritual geniuses all the time just like you're not going to find you know piano geniuses all the time it's just not the way it works um so when they have systems that work for the masses that's not necessarily the best thing that's going to work for the highly advanced student but like in buddhism he had things that worked for everyone and he also had high high level stuff that was for people who were very ripe very ready to you know go to the next level so yeah i mean there's different uh you know things that worked for masses don't always work you know uh for the high level advanced practitioner but we can't say that it's wrong or that it's a step in the wrong direction if we're only looking at the present and the and the uh, the past you know and that maybe that does take a little bit of faith in the beginning to kind of be like all right well i don't know everything i gotta trust the universe the god or whatever we want to call it we got to trust that there is something out there you know something that is kind of having an effect and um i wrote down the other thoughts so i will finish it but go ahead robert um it's you mentioned a high level practitioner um is a high level practitioner just someone who's like already satisfied like all the time and so they just want to do like like more like i guess like magical Damarato might call it um things in spirituality like like the no self and the um like the like the insights and stuff because they're already satisfied if they're a high level practitioner they're not wanting to do things i feel like but that, I, that's I would say that's that, the thing like yeah. if they're high level shouldn't they already not have desires for anything right it, i i wouldn't yeah, i wouldn't say a high level practitioner would be someone that's interested in like magical practices yeah no they are they say that that is the last um, obstacle before enlightenment, you know, so before you could get to the highest level, you're at a very high level and you're interested in, you know, astral projection and manifestation. I, I don't, and kind I of don't those think magical that's non I, I think that's coming from, uh, that's okay. From, from the magical, uh, from thousands of other I, I would say that, yeah. I would say that, the, I would say that the, the Buddha said himself that, you know, the first step of the noble path is not held by ordinary people, you know, that actually, right. well, I mean, I have noticed that, about, that, yeah. We're talking about the noble path about basically just knowing having an app it's basically an attitude an attitude change 
you know, well, I would it's not, yeah, it's not yeah. anything high up there. But uh, what I would say, what, what I was, I was talking with Dan Goldfield about this the other day and we were talking, my, my best friend actually does magic. Okay. And uh, I was reading Daniel Ingram's book the other day and I saw that he was talking about magic and it really, really surprised me because um, well, I mean, you're talking about reincarnation, you're talking about doing spells, you know, okay, do we know if these, I cannot say for one, I cannot say for sure that these things do not exist. I can't say for sure that these things um, contribute to or don't contribute. Wait, wait, hold on, Keyshawn. Contribute to or don't contribute <laughs> to enlightenment. But what I can say is that Duca Duca Naroda, in my experience, has helped me understand more truly and completely what satisfaction at with things as they are really is. And when things when I am satisfied with things as they are, there's not even thinking about a path. There's not even thinking about, oh wow, I wonder like how far, like I wonder, you know, like what's next? Like what's the next part? It's only when yeah. You know, I maybe we'll start to have a breakthrough like today or like a lot of relief and success of like, oh, I wonder where this is going. But that right there in and of itself is taking me away from the present moment. So it, it, it's a paradox. It's a complete paradox. When we when we rest here in the present moment, we learn to be here in the present moment. We go proverbially further. However, that further, though, isn't something that we're trying to do. We are just actually trying to be present. And in trying to be present, there is actual progression of wholesomeness, of, of mind, of, of whatever, you know, um, of, of equanimity, of tranquility, that calmness, right? We don't get those things by like, I want to be calm right now. I want to be calm. I want to be tranquil. I want to be peaceful. I want to be, I want to yeah, be. We don't yeah. get it mm -hmm. from that. And so, like... This whole sense of like a magical state somewhere else other than here in this room with me sounds absurd. It, yeah, it sounds <laughs> absurd if yeah. that was actually going to lead to any kind of enlightenment. Because the thing that we know about enlightenment, if if we are serious practitioners, is that we don't need anything. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that we're saying, actually, yeah. it's a cessation. Exactly. This is a subtractive process, not an additive exactly. process. This is... This wow. is things actually like us letting go of things rather than um, like like these mental like doubt and insecurity and these those are those are things that we're doing. So this is a subtractive mm -hmm. process. It's a subtraction from doing those things, and that is where the relief is. That is where the satisfaction is naturally. Yeah, the paradox about this is that so the way that I would I did kind of have a train of thought on this so. The, we could call it a kind of advanced practitioner because their sense of self has gone from being tied to a body, uh, a, a separate self, and they are non-localized anymore. They're not just trapped in their body. When we talk of someone who's astral projecting, they're still in their mind. That is still happening in the present moment. They just have a kind of transcendent consciousness where they're aware of an energy body that's kind of somewhere else in their mind. And then they also have the localized experience of their body, you know, so it, what we're used to and what most people are used to is just one sense of reality. It's mostly what's happening in our senses in our immediate environment. When you begin to progress down this path enough, you begin to not be so identified with the self. And when you're not identified with yourself as the body, you are not bound by the body anymore. And you can 
do what they call astral projection. Ultimately, it's still happening in the present moment, and you're still in your mind. You're, you could still be present and aware, but most people end up kind of going into a trance to do astral projection. And that, I do think that that is an obstacle. That's why they mentioned it as like the last obstacle to enlightenment is city or magical powers. And ultimately, that's still based off of a sense of separate self that I'm doing magic, that I'm needing to bring about, you know, manifestation Good. of money and stuff. So yeah. It's, yeah. It, it all kind of blends into so, what we're saying, so, so. but it is. I think I, I think we're saying the same thing, but it, it, from different perspectives, if I may, like I, I relate so strongly to what you're saying, Corey, because like like I said, for that year and a half, I was so kind of like interested and invested in like going through the layers of pain and suffering and you know going through these these layers and you know until you're getting to the next one and I, I had a friend his name is Artem he actually said that it's very common for practitioners on the path to experience um, like you could experience anything from psychosis to thinking you can read other people's minds to thinking you can read their energies and what he found out is that as he went further along, he saw his own delusion, which, again, is on top of that, that ground of natural being, right? And then yeah. that, once he saw through it, that's it. It became transparent and so that he, he didn't believe that anymore about himself. It's basically he penetrated that belief, saw it yeah. as false, and then yeah. that was the end of that. So what I believe... The, the, the Buddha's path is what I'm, it, it's like these two, you know, Western Buddhism, you could call it, and then the, the noble path, they're meeting each other in the middle. The difference is, is that the, the noble path, as you start kind of where uh, the Western Buddhism um, is like somewhere in the middle of it, as you, as you start at the end of that. So instead of you know, getting to know all your garbage all the time and how it stinks and how it smells and going through all these layers and getting interested in the, you know, these, you know, these stages and this and that we're saying, no, let's just be present right now because this is all you're going to end up with anyway. This is all eventually you're going to be concerned with the present moment. Eventually all there is, is going, all there is, is this, but eventually it's going to be like that where it, all there is really is this like you are just here abiding here in this present moment, unconcerned with anything else. And we're basically habitually practicing ourselves into that yeah, yeah. condition. We're reconditioning the mind to actually subtract and get rid of all of these other processes. And so I think in some cases you actually bypass that magical thinking. You might bypass, you know, that thinking you can read other people's minds. You actually might, I don't know. It's it's like the I don't know. <laughs> That's all oh, I, I got. Think you've got the, a really the, good the, well, 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 the Buddha, the Buddha put it himself that that there's no fires without fuel. So, you know, the idea that there's you know some sort of magical, actual like magical power for what we're calling enlightenment. And by the way, I mean you know that that whole term, I I, I kind of doubt that. I'm not sure exactly how you're you're using that. If it's not in terms of just like lightening up and, and relaxing, then it's it's probably not the real thing because someone who is light, relaxed, who can see what's going on, is not interested at all at all in in some uh, shiny object that you might be offering called enlightenment, anyways. So, um, well, how what I understand yeah. as enlightenment, Kishan, is the the um, cessation of dissatisfaction. 
complete cessation of dissatisfaction. A cessation of. Okay. Yeah. Which that's which like, translates as exactly complete freedom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I sure. think. Um, well, and I wouldn't. We're I wouldn't using say, the same I, different I actually, words, I, but I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't say complete. I wouldn't say always. I wouldn't say final. I wouldn't ever say this things don't exist. I would yes. say that it's doing it right now. Taking a deep breath right now is your enlightenment. Lighten up right now. Boom. There it is. No, and I and I like I agree with you on that. But what I'm saying is like, as you practice that more and more and more, what I'm saying is it becomes the case. It becomes the case that you're actually lightened up. It becomes the case that satisfaction is here right now. It becomes the case that dissatisfaction is nowhere to be found. And so I don't, I'm not talking yeah, about yeah, like, like that it's always or that it's when you turn on the lights and then you remember to lighten up. That's what happens when you're right. good at turning on, when you get good at turning on the lights, then you turn on the lights often and you see yeah. what's going on. Yeah. You, you don't have to think about but it. But there is a, and the reason why I say this is because like my friend Dan, he uh, was taught. I don't know if you guys know I, Robert. I know you know Dan. Keyshawn, do you know Dan? Dan Goldfield. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Interesting. How do you know Dan? I've never seen you guys talk together. Senga chats. I mean, I've. I I just know I know of him. I know he's one of Damrado's students. I know okay. he has his uh, his own like kind of meditation uh, school thing. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, have a like, school. No. Not school, but like he has like does like the videos. Yeah. Is that I, insight I time? Up with somebody else. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, he 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 records some things and puts them on insight timer sometimes. But uh, Don Morado taught him for three years, and the way this is for Dan now is like, if something comes up, it's like a rainy day. It's no less or more significant than the weather, which is like we're talking about, you know, when when we're zooming out, right? That's what we're doing when we're like, oh, anxiety. Oh, okay. It's not me. It's this. It's here, but it's not me. It's not getting on me. Okay. All right. I can be friends with this. We're starting to like, like get a, like lose our, like get grow distance from it. For Dan, it's like the weather. It's no different than the weather. We don't have a problem. Like when, when it's a rainy day, it might be like, oh, it's wet outside. Okay, it's wet outside. <laughs> but it's not like, oh my gosh, my life. <sighs> you know? So, like, yeah, hey. turn on the lights and realize it's time to lighten up. That's all there is to it. That's the whole practice that's awesome. right there. What so, that's like, success. that's where this goes. You know, we practice this enough. That's where it goes. Is it yeah, like that I'm for you, Keyshawn? Is it like what? Um, like when something unwholesome comes up, is it like no more or less different than the weather? Or would you say it's a little bit more significant than that in that moment? I would say when if if I remember, then it's going to be a, a, a day in paradise. <laughs> okay. It's my birthday. It's a holiday. Another day in paradise. Thank God. All right. My, my, my old friend came to visit me. It's a wonderful day. <laughs> what more could I ask for? <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think there's just a point where it event, like, I think uh, Damarado, he said this before. He said, like, we're, we're building the skill of building a house of cards, but eventually, 
we just don't care about building a house of cards anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's kind of crazy how that happens. That sounds like you do it and then you forget about it. Like you forget that you've even done it and it's just like doing itself. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy how that happens. And I feel like yeah. it's the same way that like Duca happens as well. And we reverse the process and go from Duca Naroda to Duca. It's, it's like we sort of fig- forget what we're doing and just find ourselves in. And it's like, oh, crap, I'm, I'm, I'm in this like now. You don't even see yeah. it. Like so sneaky. I wouldn't say that the, I don't, I wouldn't say that the violin, the violin ever plays itself. However, I will say that we do go from the stage of practicing in seclusion to a stage of performing maybe for, you know, your aunt when she comes over and you put on a performance and then perhaps performing at the biggest concert that there is then you're, you're still performing and then when you're a master now you're playing you're just having a ball you're just having a good time you know? yeah but it doesn't ever play itself i think that's kind of not accurate yeah it doesn't it doesn't play itself but because you're playing it's like a it's it's an energetic effort. It's not a. It's, it's not like a, a play. Job it's a paradox. Yeah. It's, it's an energy. It's, it's an energy. It's not a. It's no longer an effort. It's energy. It's like this is what this is. This is joy. This is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's what I want. That's a way that it, you don't get brought out of the state. What was that, Corey? What's that, Corey? Oh, that, no! I didn't say anything else. That was the end of it. It was just about balancing. What about balancing? Can you guys hear me, Drew? Oh, yeah. maybe I got to speak louder. I'm in my car. But basically, like, yeah, what we're talking about with Anapanasati or different practices, we're trying to balance the mind between craving and aversion so that we could be in a state where we're not, uh, desi- like, we're not trying to avoid any negative things that come up and we're not trying to attach to anything that's desirable and positive. We're just trying to create a state of balance where we could be okay with whatever comes up, you know? We're not trying to run let's away. Go, let's We're go just for being friendship present there. with whatever Use the word friendship, up. I would say. Sure. Yeah, friendship is one path to balancing the mind, you know? That's good. Being okay with whatever comes up. That was that was what I um that was what I practiced for that year and a half I was talking to you about, Corey. But I, it's interesting though. That became I don't know. That became, you know, have you guys ever heard of the, uh, the saying that on the path you, you, you'll sometimes you'll use a thorn to pick out another thorn and then that thorn will become the next thorn to pick out another thorn. That's kind of what I thought about with the okayness. You know, I, I, I would allow this sadness, right. But during that sadness, I would have thoughts of like, oh my gosh, this sucks. I don't like this, man. I wish this would end. Well, by definition, that in, in, in my mind's condition in that those moments, I'm not allowing it. So at one level I'm allowing it, but in another, I'm not allowing it. And I think what's really nice about this practice is what, what Keyshawn is saying. Let's just be friends. Let's, let's be friends, make contact with that unwholesome stuff, shake its hand and we could just keep going. We could just keep going on with our day. And, and then breath, it's enjoy. like, a, I feel like, I feel like you're, good enough pointer is like perfect for what you're mm. talking about there yeah and it's, I, it's like it's like a it's like a higher order of like gladdening where like the negative sensation is still there but the dukkha aspect to it is gone yes exactly like, yes exactly it's like that it's like so, it's it's not it's not just being okay with things as they are it's 
it's cleaning it out. It's cleaning out yeah. that thing that you've been it's saying like I'm okay with down it as your little, like cleaning it out. It's, it's, to just like remove it's, the, that one little like thing that was making yeah. it wrong. It's, it's the jujitsu. It's the jujitsu using using <laughs> yes. the, the, the enemy against it. Like the, yes. the best, the, I think what, a really good example of that, and I don't really use this necessarily as like my own mantra, just because maybe, maybe I will at some point, but um, I was thinking about it in this way, like, okay, the unwholesome thought comes up, right? And then you say, thank you, or like, you know, hello, my old friend, you know, like, thank you for giving me something to worry about later. So yeah, basically yeah. in that point, in that point in time, there, by the way, later doesn't exist. So I'm, <laughs> it's, kind of a, it's kind of a big trick. But um, I'm basically saying, mm. yeah, thanks for giving me something to worry about later. So I, I invite it in. Like, if, if this is a house, I, I invite it in, and it goes flying out the back door. Mm. You understand what mm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think another way to say it is that it's we are we are cutting the root of these unwholesome thoughts. Sorry. Um, we're we're meeting these unwholesome thoughts prior to being okay with them as they are we're meeting these unwholesome thoughts and feelings prior to being okay with them as they are because being okay with them as they are is saying hey take a shower with me get on me get like get your dirt on me i'm gonna wear your dirt right now i'm okay with this dirt as it is no we're saying oh i see the dirt okay Mm -hmm. i'm just not gonna go over there i'm not gonna go over there I'll say hi. Yeah. Uh, we're friends. Yeah. Hello. It's great to see you. Okay. And now you don't feel like you're suppressing the dirt and you're exactly. being mean to yourself. You're not suppressing it. You're not avoiding it. You're still seeing you're everything. You're not like spiritually bypassing it. Mm-hmm. It's still there. You're still appreciating yeah. it. Just in a exactly. wholesome way. Yeah. You're just not like under it. <laughs> we're changing our relationship to it. <laughs> On top That's of the polyurethane. What... Yeah, there exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My, um, oh, we have another David my, here, by the way. Oh, oh yeah, we do. Guys, this has go. been awesome. I gotta go though. My it's Friday. My girl and I are gonna go eat and watch a movie. Nice. This oh, is so much fun, now. guys. Alex, yeah, I wanna I wanna give you guys. I wanna give you a reframe actually that my friend gave to me um the other day. Um this is really good. It's um it's exactly what we're talking about, like making friends with the negative emotions. It's when you find like something um you don't like about yourself or you're not at ease with. Ask yourself, if um, your family or society was okay with this thing, would you be? And even if society doesn't accept it, can you imagine a society that would? So it's like when you're angry, it's like, what if society was accepting of anger? And then like the anger can kind of become like this really joyful, invigorating feeling. Or if you're depressed, you can have like compassion for for the depression and stuff. So that's, a, that's a really good one. I, I didn't want you to leave before, uh, before, I, before I said that one. No, I find, I like I find that. that's a really good reframe. Yeah. I like that. That reminds I, me. A lot of it's I, like, I like that, that I've concept, noticed is like our almost... social, our social programming like dictates how we react to these emotions and stuff. Because like society says, this is unproductive emotion. This is, you know, an unhealthy emotion. This means you have a mental health issues. Like, and then we, we try to get rid of it, and we're rushing to get rid of it. But it's like, if everyone was just like cool with emotions, maybe, like treat it like like how you treat it in that ideal situation. But anyway, go ahead. But that's why we to. have all these emotions because society is okay with it. <laughs> we wouldn't have learned it otherwise. Yeah, yeah that's, that's actually true. <laughs> it wouldn't be so prolific otherwise. 
Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like, I feel it's like it's that negative yeah. like motivation thing where it's like you're, you're creating more suffering to motivate yourself to alleviate suffering. What? It's like a, it's like you're going backwards to go forwards, like two steps back, one but, forward. Yeah. But I, I will, I will say, saying, but yeah. Sorry, I, I will say, I think one reason why the um, emotions are so pervasive, especially the unwholesome ones, is because we have so many people pretending they're not experiencing them. We have so many people pretending that they're not actually there. See, that's the first part. You have to see them first. You have to see them and acknowledge them and be honest with yourself about what is happening right now. To, to clean it out, you have to see it first. You have to see it. You have to get to know it to some degree. Yeah. But then once you get yeah. to know it, you're like, okay, I got it now. I know what anxiety Okay, I know what anxiety is. Okay, I know what this is. Great. This yeah. isn't, I'm good. I'll let it go. Yeah. Like but we have a problem is the first step to solving it. It's like the what Keyshawn? quote. I was gonna say I feel like that's what I was getting at, or like that's like the deeper understanding what you just said of um when I mentioned in the beginning you weren't here, but I think I was describing when I talked about um an old like emphasizing that um like long story short my mom used to have this like say this thing from the Bible um there's nothing new under the sun okay and so basically. Um, and then Corey was talking about how when he was a kid, he had like all this baggage associated with being hungry. And so I was saying, and so he's saying now, like today, when I'm hungry today, I have all that baggage with it. And so I was kind of saying how, um, we, we, we basically run off of that old pattern. Um, and you know, something that we learned when we were 10 years old and, you know, that, that isn't a time to grow up now, basically, and start to use the new the new pattern that we're learning. Um, I actually only said I that see, it's I, been so long since I was hungry, and you added the baggage and all, everything else. Yeah. No, you said that when you were, like, in a, a little kid, it's like, you had to struggle to get food. So there, uh, I was saying that you had, like, that traumatic experience. No, I said I wasn't in control hungry. of my food. I wasn't the okay, anyway, Alex, I was being what, what was the well I, I kind of forgot what the what the I kind of forgot what you said when I was giving my story. I literally went so far off. What was your original point? Because I was trying to tie it into something. I can't remember. Corey's uh, or mine. No, no, Alex. Alex, yours. Oh, yeah. Uh just that mm-hmm. I I think that the reason why maybe one reason why emotions are so pervasive, unwholesome ones in particular, uh-huh. is because <clears throat> we oh, have a lot okay, of people okay. pretending remember, like they're not happening. Yeah. Okay. So I was gonna say that when we recognize that all we're avoiding the unwholesome, when we recognize that every single un- un- unwholesome thought and feeling that we have is basically really old and has been with us for a really long time. If we don't recognize that, then we're kind of denying it in ourselves. Like we're kind of denying that. Oh, that this has been happening. But when you do recognize that this is a really old friend, this is really typical, this is really ordinary, and it's not yes. a big deal, it sucks yes. the energy out of it, and it can yes. be really relaxed and easy to deal with. That's a great point. <laughs> I think I, that's, that's such a great point. I think that so well illustrates why we think it's going to last forever, because in a way, it has. Up until now, yeah. it has lasted yeah. forever. Now we have a <laughs> such a good point so we basically brainwashed ourselves into thinking these emotions last forever because well at one relative level they do but when you really start to look at them they don't they arise and pass away and Mm -hmm. more and more you see them arise and pass away you're like 
well, I don't really need to do anything with that anymore. And I was saying how, like, uh, kind of one of the takeaways from that for me was that I started putting more emphasis on, like, when I say hell of darkness, my old friend, it's like my old, old, old friend. Like, this has been here. Like, this is, this is really old. We don't even need to mess with that anymore. Like, that's old. Like, yeah. you know, it's not even a big deal even. Like, we have the new, we have the new version here right now. <laughs> let's, let's run that, <laughs> that, that new version right now. Instead. <laughs> cool. All right, yeah, guys. Let's drive the Ferrari. Well, it's been instead. awesome, and and hey, Corey, I I don't know like if there's any concern there for you about this or anything, but like I want I don't want you. I'm not sure if this is any way you feel. I don't want you to feel like you're not included or something in the conversation, or you're excluded because, kind of Robert, Keyshawn, and DJ and I are all kind of speaking more. Uh, I would say in the direction of the noble Buddha's path, and you're speaking more in the direction of. Um, you know, understanding the contents of the mind and getting to know the various aspects of the mind. I don't want you to be left with that, like you're wrong or that, you know, you're bad for, uh, you know, talking about your practice, how you are. I got to tell you for a long time, I was resistant to any kind of mentioning of bringing wholesome or feeling good for quite some time for about like six or seven months. Dan was telling me like, you can do this, you can do this. And I just ignored it. Until it got to a point where I saw, man, I am just going through a loop over and over and over and over and over again. And once I saw that enough, I was like, that's it. I need to do something else. There's something else. There's there's something else, maybe, that I could be doing here. So yeah, you dropped you dropped I one just, of the fetters, Alex. You dropped one of the fetters actually, like when that happened, which is the I think it's like I think it's like doubt doubt in the Buddhist teachings. Sounds like you like that's a really big thing. That's like a major like attainment because there's only ten of them. That's like only nine more to go, bro. <laughs> like, a major nice subtraction. Work. A major subtraction. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Major subtraction. subtraction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Corey, did you hear me, bro? I'm not sure if he's there. Are you there? Corey? I don't think he's there right now. You might have lost him. Oh, Corey, you there? Yeah, the sorry, I thought I had the voice on. That's probably the last couple of minutes I've been saying things. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely didn't feel that way. I mean, it sounds different okay. the way I'm describing it, because I'm speaking from a lot of personal experience and different paths before really coming to know Buddhism and the things. So the terms that I use are, are basically, we're getting in the same direction, but there are a lot of personal experience based off of different paths and different things. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, ultimately, it's kind of like we're headed in the same direction, and I don't feel left out at all. I mean, Good. this is like a kind of cool, a common man. experience for me to come into a group, and they've practiced or studied, and, you know, they know the terms, and they got the, the different ways of framing things, different language. But I see beneath it that there's like so much similarity, and that ultimately, we're just trying to get to the same place, do the same thing, just have different ways of going about it, different ways of describing it. Um, yeah, no, but I definitely cool. feel camaraderie and uh you know similarity so for sure cool all right guys this is like the best chat yet this is so yeah, much fun so much fun yeah thank you it's so great. much guys oh yeah it's man. been great yeah. enjoy your friday night thank you yeah you guys too great talking to you bye have a good peace man yeah it's definitely it's awesome like 
talking to like everyone and stuff because like I've been watching the videos and stuff. So again, I'm just so happy too, like with you know like Alex because I watch like some of the videos. You know, is having you know a little bit of a tough time like here and there. You know, mm-hmm. but but yeah, no, it's really great. But like just being here and you know being a, amongst other like enthusiastic practitioners is just it's wonderful yeah it gets you like motivated like i'm so much more motivated to practice since joining the sangha calls and talking with everyone and just like typing in the group chat like i'll see someone's skype message and I'll, it'll just say the sangha us at the top or the sangha uk at the top and that alone is a trigger for me to become mindful and gladden my mind it's like yeah. it, it really keeps you motivated i love it yeah. It's funny, I was describing exactly that to Parker today when we were talking about um, Eric, when Eric was staying with me about how basically it was kind of like having another, like you have your brain that does sati, and now we have another brain that does it's sati. Like, yeah, it's like a room. collective brain, yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm running, I'm running with two processors now. Oh uh, man, that's sick, I love that. <laughs> that's yeah, funny. that's... You know? So yeah. When, we, when we did get sick, which we did, and then Eric said, Sati, this is a great opportunity to practice, and then it came out really well. Yeah, I think I did catch that one, yeah, or yeah, you were talking about, yeah, with your roommate, and you kind of played off of each other in that Sati, and like, that helps, because it was like, oh, okay, I'm feeling, you know, because of the sickness, it has like, you know, these bodily, you know, sensations and all that, that might not be the most present, pleasant, but like, hey, you can bounce off of it. Oh, I feel good, right? And it's like, oh yeah, I can feel good too. No, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yep, excellent. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Keep picking each yeah. other up. Mm-hmm. There was something. There was something Dan said in the UK Sangha once when I think um, someone was asking about uh, what do I do when I just can't, for the life of me, like overcome suffering. And he said it might have been me actually, but he said like well, we're all here and we can all do it. So if we can all do it, like clearly it's possible. And, you know, in a more objective sense, like it's worth doing because we all think it's a great idea. And so you have that peer pressure to gladden the mind. Like that's like the perfect way to use peer pressure. And that's sort of what he was talking about. Yeah, I think too, it's like that confidence, like almost boost as well, right? Of that overcoming that doubt, like you can do this this can be done right you can clear the mind out you know and so yeah and you know you can come to the call and if you have like a pressing question like i've done i've done this a few times where like i've had a question come up that's something that's really difficult for me to overcome and Mm. i've just written it down and asked it on one of these calls and someone's answered it for me and it's been really helpful and like it's great to have have it's like um kishan said you have a second a second brain to answer your questions for you Mm. super useful yeah, no, it's wonderful. Yeah. Hey, David in New York City. Yeah. What's up, man? Oh. What's up, bro? How are you, How are you guys doing? Oh, hi. Doing good. Doing <laughs> hello, good. Hello. Good to see you on uh, back-to-back nights here. Yeah, I, I saw you guys. Um, haven't called before, but I was eating dinner, so I just finished dinner, and so I just decided to join you guys. Nice. Um, what are you guys talking about? Oh, you know, the only thing worth talking about. The Dhamma. <laughs> <laughs> anything different as to, you know, what we were speaking about last night or other calls? 
Yeah, I did have a little follow up on last night um, that I that I mentioned, which was about like uh, selfishness, you know, about the self, and and how there's no room for for selfishness when we're in a really good state, um, and we we just when we're in a really good state, we just can't help but but let that pour out, you know, and it's it's just natural, and that and that kind of ties back into what Robert was talking about with the Brahman. Like, Ours, like that being kind of um, you know the, the meta or the karuna that rubbing off um, and that's just kind of a natural outcome of, of feeling good mm. yeah like you, know, you naturally do you, sorry um Keyshawn, oh. do you naturally like find yourself slipping into these states just throughout your day without consciously deciding to or setting that as the intention no. for your sit no it's always it's always i mean I think that's like going back to what we were saying about like, I mean, Dalmato said it in uh, his first Guru Viking interview about this, which was, he said, you know, you if you stop shaving, your beard will grow back. You know, if you shave, if you keep shaving, you get very good at shaving. You know? Gotcha. So that's, that's how yeah. I put that. So you that, do have you know, to like intentionally it, like, Desire no, to it, enter it, the Brahmavira to get there. No, <laughs> no, it's it, desiring to get into anything. Yeah, how you I, don't get there. I, of course, right, of course. Yeah, and the yeah. Brahmaviharas are not a practice. Um, satisfaction is a practice, though. So practicing satisfaction is, is a skill. Gotcha, gotcha. The Brahmaviharas is what you could observe as happening when you have that satisfaction. It's just, it's, it's like a side effect, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a side effect of, 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 you know, being in a good state that, you know, people around you, if if I'm pissed off, I can very easily make you pissed off. Very, very easy. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. Um, but, But do you, like, do you, like, slip into, like, a distinct, like, one of the four Brahmaviras? Like, you can notice, like, wow, this is identifiably one specific Brahmavira, and this has just like happened as a side effect of my practice. Uh, or is it more of like a mixed I don't really state look between at it like them that, that sort of flows I don't, I don't around? Really think like, that that's, I don't really think that that's how it works. Oh, okay. I don't think that, thank thank I don't you think for clarifying, because I don't know, like, that's why I'm asking. Well, I would, I would say, I would say that, you know, I guess maybe like an analogy, I'm trying to think of one right now on the fly, but like, you know, if you, like we said, like a side effect, if you take a certain medicine and there's like, you know, there's these possible side effects of things that can happen, like it's just, but in this case, it's even, it's not just a side effect that's like possible. It's like highly likely that that would happen, that if you are, I mean, like, that's why I said the example of like, if I'm angry, okay, to answer your question, if I'm, if somebody's angry, basically their number one job is to make other people around them angry. You know, and they're they're gonna behave yeah. in a way that's yeah. that's angering yeah. and inspire other people to, others, to be yeah. angry. So if yeah, I'm yeah. joyful, and then so and mm. when we say the Brahmaviharas, whatever, but it's, I think Karuna is like the one about like maybe rubbing. I don't, I don't know, like one of them about like rubbing off on on other people. So that's yeah. just, that's just that happening. Yeah, goodwill you know? towards not, others. Yeah, it's it's not I really. I don't know, like. And I mean, you know, if you wanted to say like Meta was one of them, then like, okay, well, come in a good state, then the thoughts are going to be wholesome and, and, and 
meta thoughts are wholesome. And so it's likely that meta is happening that I'm, you know, uh, yeah. you know, uh, kind to others and, and, you know, loving toward others or whatever word you want to use to describe that, I would say. Yeah. Great answer. I love how your frame is larger than your own experience and that you it wanted to include like other people in that and how it benefits others. That's a, that's um, I think that's a really good way to think about things. I think that's a sign of pretty good mental health as well. That's something I. You mean like you mean like when you're. I uh, sort of aspire I mean, to just, more of. Oh my. Yeah. My like less concerned for like my own experience and more concerned for how my own experience improves the lives of others. It's like that selflessness that you. Well, you're not about. really concerned about it. You're not really concerned about it. It's just like. Concern is the last thing you are. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, right. No, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They are concerned. You're unconcerned. And that gotcha. Gotcha. Can rub off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, generate a sense of ease, right? Um, you know? <laughs> that unconcernedness. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, for, I, for example, I would say, like, yeah. I was like, I started a. I'll, I'll give an example of, like, someone working on me in a different way um i started a new job and uh in my old job everything was like really really uptight you know and uh people would kind of nitpick over like really small things and these guys just don't do that like they are way more <laughs> carefree and so that rubs off on you know my end of things that i know that i don't have to be super anal about everything you know, and that's that's pretty that's that's a good thing, I would say. But um, so it, it, it works. It's just all around us. It's pretty ordinary. You know, these Brahma Viharas are not <laughs> way up there like that. <laughs> Nothing is. Yeah. Thank th thank you for that answer as well. That's I, I catch myself doing this a lot. And I wouldn't say catch myself because I didn't really think of it as a problem until tonight. But like I do really think of a lot of like meditations as very exalted and very um, altered, like very outside the norm. And like when I think of Brahmavira, it's like I'm normally thinking of like some really like amazing state that 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 I can't actually achieve for like another like couple of years of like really hardcore practice. So when, that's when quite encouraging to, to like think of it as like, no, it's like, a, it's like a, it, it, I, it, I like it, it can be mundane. Basics. There's fires and there's fuels, you know, just go back to the basics, but like, I forgot what I was missing. <laughs> never mind. Sorry. Well, if you never experience it and it's positive, then it's going to seem like it's rare and exalted, you know? Because if we're used to living in oh. dirt and accidentally we kind of stumble into a castle, suddenly we're going to be like, wow, this is amazing. But if you I, lived and I grew remember. up in a castle, yeah. Yeah. It would just I be remember boring. what I was going to say, which was that I think that the reason why, and this is, I've talked to Dom, Dom has mentioned this, um, so, but the reason why we, we place these things, why these things are in such exalted states is because of Christianity. Like Christianity is, an ex is all about that kind of thing, putting people way high up there. And yeah. the guys who translated, yeah. the guys who translated the suttas, you know, here's, you know, just to give you one small example, uh, when when uh, the monks go around for, for Vendabot or Vendabot or whatever it is, they walk around mm. with a pot. Okay, with a pot. But the way that it's translated 
in the suttas by like the Westerners is that it's a bowl. And a bowl mm. is a lot more holy, a lot more high up there than a pot. You know, yeah. uh, you yeah. don't have pots on the altar, you have bowls on the altar. You understand? So yes. like, it, yeah, it, yeah. it's that pervasive. Mm. Uh, and it makes complete sense why all these things are put way up there, but the noble yeah. dhamma is kind of way down there, I would say. It's 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 very down there. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, like super mundane. Yeah, it turns it into it's like this religious artifact that's all special really and ritualized. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You, get that. you said it's super space mundane. Yeah, like super, yeah, yeah. It's actually incredibly mundane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good as well because um, I think that relates again to the the ten fetters model. Or, I mean, yeah, yeah, like the model, the 10 fetters model, it's like we're supposed to be losing our attachment to rites and rituals. So, like, like a bowl versus a pot, it's like, you know, yep. is that really, is that really the point of the Buddhist teaching? Exactly. You know, is surrounding ourselves with Buddhist statues the point of the teaching? Exactly. Like, or are we just, you know, looking for things to make us feel spiritual and holy? Mm -hmm. Well, I think yeah. if, if we look back at like someone, you know, 2000 years ago in a society where people had like, you know, common sense education, not really college level. They, you know, it was only recently that we were able to, you know, have at our arm's reach on our iPad, you know, the works of Ramana, Buddha, like the, you know, the last thousand great masters, we all, we have that in our hands. And so we're able to kind of, if I wanted to hang out with Alan Watts all day, I could watch Alan Watts videos. If I wanted to hang out with Don Barato all day. So, to, to, I think I understand why an ancient people would call it an exalted state, because maybe for them, once in their lifetime, they see someone and they all know it's exalted because they have had a child and they felt a sense of divinity and peace and an exalted state. It was not normal. It didn't last and it was very desirable. They always wanted to have it back. Suddenly they yeah. see a person who has found out how to activate that as their state they have become realized it's become mundane to them because it's their normal state yeah they but can just do that it well. would seem yeah that would seem so rare and exalted like very christian word you know <laughs> rapture i mean if you have like connotations to it it's just a you know? word um so whatever attachment and whatever yeah, context we put to it yeah but is it's, it's being, being you're reading the translation though you know you're reading the trans they translated it as rapture Okay, that's, I mean, you're reading what Do you, reading do what you understand that what Exalted is pointing at, though? Do you kind of get... I understand maybe that. Also, I understand that. I also understand that there's somebody who's translating that based on their right. interpretation. So, so that for me, it just points be, to something. It doesn't have a it, negative it points, or positive connotation to, to it. Yeah, Bhikkhu Bodhi points to something. That doesn't mean that the Buddha points to something. That's that's two different that's things. That's what words do, actually. They do point to something. That's, that's where the No, you're not, you're not understanding what I'm saying. I'm saying that the word that you're, like, reading into, like, we're reading into the word rapture, that somebody decided to use the word rapture when they translate. I actually use the word you read into it. Mean, yeah. No, I mean, that's just how that we use words, you know? Like, obviously, rapture. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, though. When we think of a tree, we think of a full-grown tree or something, but a tree is also a seed. It's also a sapling. It's also the sunlight that comes into the tree. It's a lot of different things. So when we use the word tree, we think of a tree. We think no, of a no, frame no, no, in no, time. No, no. That's not where I was getting at. That's not what I was getting at. I was getting at like the same example with the pot. Okay, the pot and the bowl. Like basically okay. the guy who sat down to translate it into English 
decided to make it a bowl. Decided to make it a lot higher than the yeah, pot. Yeah, like he picked the, he picked a word with religious connotations or like yeah, extravagant connotations. Yeah, yeah, they added that or in. magical connotations. This this stuff. that's well, interesting. I think that's that really the job, you know, I'm gonna keep I that in mind when I read when I read and this sort of thing. Thanks for sharing. So whether we call so, it exalted or mundane or whatever, like that's some way of us describing our experience or pointing to it, but like. I was talking about, you know, how they used it 2000 years ago and how we might have different connotations. And, you know, I don't think that, you know, 2000 years ago before Christianity had spread to them, they didn't really have any exalted connotations of Christianity. That's something that we attach to it because we have experienced that. But the word itself is what I'm trying to do when I'm trying what to understand. What I know about the history of Buddhism, of, of uh, what I know about, like, the Buddha himself is that that was a rebellion against the existing religions, the existing exalted things of the time. It was a rebellion against the exalted into what can I do to end suffering in this lifetime right now instead of some great big thing high up there and that has to do with multiple lifetimes, it has to do with uh, superpowers, it has to do with uh, wanting things and you know that you don't have basically. Yeah, I didn't catch any of that when I used the word exalted, you know, to me, it could mean something like rare. Exalted is something like I was actually mentioning that, you know, if it comes along once in a generation and it's something that you've only experienced for three minutes in your life and someone else has found a way to live in that state, that is a kind of rarity. You know, rarity doesn't really have that negative connotation of exalted because I guess in exalted, we're thinking about, you know, a progression of things of like, this is exalted, this is trash, right? But rarity is more of like a neutral term. It just denotes what they probably experience it as. That's a rare state. Mm -hmm. And when we say exalted, it also does kind of give that added meaning that that is enjoyable. You know, if it wasn't enjoyable, yeah. why would anybody do it? But so at the end of the day, at the end of the day, all of these states are at like the, the states that are real are pretty ordinary and that we go into them all the time. Like ordinary but people, in the beginning, go into, yeah. ordinary people go into first jhana, maybe not, you know, maybe not all day, but at least maybe a couple of my moments a day. You know, at some point they have to. That ordinary people have nibbana moments. That's what Bhikkhu Buddhadasa talks about. That when the when the worker comes home and sits down on the couch, maybe for just one breath, he just like plops down. Ah, you know, that's his. That's a little nibbana moment. Nibbana for everybody, right there. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's, it's like, you know, we can recognize that it's actually not that exalted. It's not that crazy. It's not that out there that is easily available. All you just got to notice when you're having it, like notice that this is actually here. Like, oh, yeah. that was actually satisfaction, right? Just there. And we can start to give perfect. them to ourselves. We can start to, you know. If we add adaption to exalted, it becomes mundane, right? If you are experiencing the birth of your first child and you're young, you never experienced anything like that before, it's exalted. It's higher and better. And like, you just like, wow, you know, I'm totally at peace. I don't want anything else other than to be here with this child of mine. This is literally me. And that's what kind of, you know, it's exalted in the beginning because it's different. It's new, it's unique, it's rare, and it's also desirable. And, but when you adapt to it, then it does become mundane. And it's not what we would say. You know, and I think sometimes when people say that, like, I'm in an exalted state or something like that, they're really trying to communicate to someone else who they're teaching or sharing with. They want to help them out and be like, this is actually desirable, you know. But if they kind of do, we're like, oh, this is mundane. It's my, 
normal thing <laughs> and they never really mentioned it someone else would kind of just be like uh okay i experience the mundane all the time but the mundane for the person who is beginning the path the mundane for them is the mind an active mind that's causing them like all these issues and then when they experience no mind or peaceful mind or present you know calm mind that is an exalted state for them in the beginning but then they adapt to it and then they get used to it and then it's normal you know and so it, it becomes mundane but in the beginning it's exalted and if we're talking to someone else we're trying to give them a feel for it you know using language the other way is to do it by presence and that's what we would say is like the guru that's Dhammarada's method he doesn't tell us he's in an exalted state he sits in it and we absorb it by being in his presence you know so there's different ways to go about sharing it you know for us it's a language and it's uh, experiences and things and ideas but for other, there's other uh, ways to share it which would be kind of like you know um I've been reading a, like a little bit of Ram Dass lately, and he talks about his guru and he, the guru never says I'm in an exalted state, but just by being in that state, being calm and being open and being loving, naturally people begin to experience what he's experiencing because he's calm, they could be calm, you know? And so, yeah, like we could use the words to describe it, or we could actually live it and be it. And it's shared in a different way. We could say one is sharing through language and words in the mind. The other one is sharing through presence or absorption or osmosis or something like that, you know, where we don't really use the mind to get it. We just see it replicated and it by a natural process, we just begin to like do it or it, it unlocks the, um, another thing I was going to mention previously was the, the analogy of illusion. Um, it unlocks that illusion in us, or it helps us to see through the illusion. You know, um, when we're, when we're around someone who's peaceful in an exalted, peaceful state, I, maybe I, I can't kind of get what you're saying. We don't have to use the word exalted because it does have connotations that are not necessarily desirable. So yeah, I when think when Big Buddha also wrote the book, um, the Bana for everyone, he's inviting us to no longer treat, I guess, what you could consider the highest, the epitome of it all, and the Nirvana and Nibbana, no longer treat anything yeah. that the Buddha uh, has provided as exalted or way high up there that it's for everyone right. it's easily available it's 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 pretty ordinary you know yeah that's what the buddha was getting at with the buddha mind you know and i think i can't remember the exact sutra but i remember somewhere in the buddhist teachings he he mentioned or maybe it wasn't him maybe it was someone else close to him who taught or something but there was mention of you'll never be enlightened you'll never actually get anywhere if you don't think it's possible if your mind is blocking you from I'm small, I'm tiny, I'm insignificant human being, and you're like, wow, that's exalted, that's enlightened, I'll never get there, you'll, you actually never will get there because you are blocking your own way. And so, yeah, like to some extent, like we've had enough as, as a species, we've had enough of people kind of going around in, in, in what we might call a euphoric state, not necessarily a peaceful state, but they just go around like radiating blisters, smiling at everybody. And, um, you could you do know, it right like now. That does. <laughs> Robert's right. doing we it right do now. You do it in a certain Robert's way. Robert's an expert, actually. That, Robert is my right. uh, my version of what you're describing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not something that's unrealistic, right? We're not going around beaming happiness, and we're not going around being like, you know, our actions aren't eliciting you remember, a response. You and... Yeah, well, I mean... And that's why we, it, that's why Sati is the most important. Sati is to remember, so that you can remember to be happiness. There you go. 
have a have a smile. Right. Share yeah, and just like you know, else. it's not exalted in the sense of being impossible. It's you know, it's a it's like kind of you know just rare. And if we practice enough, we're gonna get there. You know, but that essence of either you have to know that you could do it by some kind of ego, which we might say is a kind of karma. We're naturally propelled to enlightenment because we have some malformed ego that believes we can do it, or we have faith, right? And if you're if you have low esteem and you don't think you could do it, faith is going to work better for you because faith, faith isn't is dependent on. I would say that faith is very important for a lot of people, you know, like it's not the balm that works for everybody, but it yeah, is very powerful it, for certain people. It, yeah, it's if it, yeah, people people make it important because they're victims and that's victims make things important. Sure. Yeah, no, like the I was, real, I was the real, mentioning the, the real, yeah. the noble, the noble approach would be that you can get yourself into a good state right now. Okay. Well, you, you have faith and then, in the and teachings. then, and then, and then you do it again and then you do it again. Then you do it again and then you come to know from evidence instead of faith you come to know from evidence that you can be confident you have confidence yeah. that you've yeah. done it before and right. you can do it again that no matter what situation comes up you can clean the mind up that's the first step of the noble path not held by ordinary people it's yeah that, i mean i think faith would kind of get you the boat you don't need anymore well like if we just if we talk about people who are you know equally or have a kind of a karma or a des an, an inborn desire. They don't really know why. They just know that they're pulled towards spirituality, but they have self-esteem issues. You know, for them, confidence isn't really in the game. Self-esteem issues is almost like me. It's not in the like, game because they haven't developed. It's a skill to be developed. It's not something that you're just going to have. You know, because if you've never done a tight wire rope walk. What kind of confidence are you going to have going on to the Empire State Building to, to do a tight ride wire uh, rope show? You know, you got to go ahead. Well, and I think maybe, yeah, faith is like, you know, for someone. Imagine if you had tried to just have confidence, like you said, if you just tried to practice confidence, but you had never really figured out the root of what the self-esteem issue. What you need to practice issue. is this thing that you're, that you're trying to be confident about. So if you're trying to, if you're trying to, if you're trying to walk a, a, a wire, that you practice walking, you know, maybe thicker, maybe a lot to start, you know, and then maybe right. you start yeah, to I'm close not... your eyes while doing it, and then you, maybe you start to dance on the log, and then, then maybe you move to a rope. <laughs> you keep, you get pretty confident. You build, you develop it because you know that you can do it because you've seen yourself do it. You've done it over and over again. You can do it. That's confidence. You know you can do it. What if That's you've never done it before? What if you've never yeah. done it before and you could never achieve it because your esteem is blocking you from ever being even you've, able you've to never, have some you've, kind you've of never, you've, you've never uh, you've never smiled, you've never laughed before, you've never felt satisfied before. You have everyone We're talking about done that if you had done that people though. Yeah, like in a like in a like in a rare case of like someone with like clinical depression or something, they can't really feel joy. If you hadn't if you hadn't if you hadn't ever felt a nibbana moment, you would be dead. You wouldn't survive. Like if you you would just be too stressed out. Like animals die when they're too stressed out. You have to have had that at some point. Um, but what we're talking about here is like actually practicing it anyways, like deliberately. So the whole point is that you practice it deliberately and develop, you know, that skill from having practiced it deliberately. And so then when you have the skill, then you know no matter what, 
you know, you're pretty confident that you can handle it in any situation. Yeah, faith becomes wisdom. Like, but in the beginning, what I'm talking about is like people in the beginning, if we're talking about a million people who practice some of these practices, you know, a million of them, they're not all going to be in a level of having what we would call confidence. There is going to be a percentage of people no, who that's are- No, exactly what I'm saying is that it's all about developing the confidence as a skill. I'm not saying anybody's starting off feeling like they can get into first John immediately. I'm not, I've never said that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you learn to do it over and over and over again from the start. From being a sad sap into a, a good, you know. Yeah, like you can't really skip steps and just like, yeah. like, just it's like your first day of Anapanasati, and it's like, okay, on blind faith, I'm gonna experience first jhana, and like you go super saiyan, like that doesn't work. I've tried that, like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if you look David, at faith as surrender, as letting go, then you would have experienced huh. Anapanasati. So your concept of faith might have been malformed to begin with. Because you believe that yeah. faith was something other than so. I mean, faith it's another, doesn't. It's another victim's tool, I would say. I mean, why, why, why do we have to use the word surrender? Okay, I mean, we can, we can be on top of this thing. We can, <laughs> I we love can that. Be victorious. <laughs> That's very. Well, like I'm talking about, it's like you know that we could call it the same path. Like one leads into the other. In the beginning, faith essentially faith has a component of not knowing, right? If you. That's actually what you don't, faith means. You don't ever, believe you don't ever, knowing. you don't know, no, because you can, you can see Donato on the call laughing, joyful. You can see it, right? That's already your first piece of evidence, okay? You don't take faith into a courtroom, take evidence into a courtroom. So if you had never done it before, The only evidence that I would have is that he unquote, can do it, not me. Exactly. That, well, that's, that's something. That's the beginning of faith. When you see confidence in someone else, you have faith that it might be possible for you, that's, and you try without knowing. It's like it leads into something else. Now you're blending the, the definition of the word, but that really is evidence, and you can take that evidence and say, okay, well, he can do it. Let me see. Let me give it a shot. Oh, I did it. Oh, I did it again. Oh, I did it again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And now, even if I have handcuffs on, yeah, I can yeah. do it. Even if, you know, they're like, for closing on my house, I can do it. Even if, you know, whatever's happening, I can do it. Yeah, and you feel more sane because you're not doing it based on, you know, blind faith that, like, I don't know, it's the right thing to do or something. Or the, it's the, the, the blind faith is coming from, like, oh, like, yeah, blind faith is like, yeah, like, uh, it's I, an imbalance. Hopefully, hopefully God doesn't yeah. send me to hell. You know, like, hopefully that that doesn't happen. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say my 12 Hail Marys and go to church every Sunday to make have faith that I don't end up in the uh, the hot zone when I'm dead. That's for, that's what faith is good for. Oh yeah, um, I was actually just gonna head out. It's about time for me to uh, sleep. But you know what? It's been an excellent conversation, and I've enjoyed it so much. So thank you all. Thank you, Keyshawn, Robert, um, Corey, and is that, uh, another Dave in there, too. So yeah, no, it's been really good, and thank you so much. Right. Was it your first day? Yeah, it was first call. So oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Great to, yeah. Great to meet you and like have you join yeah. and stuff. Yeah, Lovely no, it's been really yeah. good. All right. David, let's, let's stay in touch, man. Night. Yeah, Very absolutely. Nice. All right. See you, take care. Yeah, no, I, I think I kind of like what I'm trying to get at is that 
there, there's got to be some, if everything is connected, right? And if faith isn't some island out, or faith and confidence aren't islands out in the middle of nowhere, there is something that comes before faith. There's something that comes before, you know, or there's something that comes before confidence. There's something that comes before faith. There's something that comes before that. The root of all those things, maybe we could say is ignorance or being or ultimate reality. The Buddha really, uh, you know, showed by example that you could dive into things using wisdom and concentration and you could go to the root of things before you know you could do it. You have to have faith you could do it. If you don't have some kind of faith you could do it, you know, you got to like maybe we could even say curiosity is like a little bit different than faith, but of a similar vein, because if you're curious, well, what you're I'm inviting you to do, Corey, is to no longer need to rely on faith and you can actually be confident <laughs> based on skill development. Yeah. And I think that that would be, you know, a good idea. Never said I was into you, faith. We're talking about populations of diverse people who practice spirituality. And some of them are going to be led by faith. Others are going to be led by confidence. So we were really describing people and the, how manifestations happen in different people, different stages of progression. So, I mean, I am saying these things. And I'm yeah, but with I'm, you not about, really I'm not really interested. I'm not really interested at all in talking about you because the noble dom is for the few. So I, I, I'm not maybe it wasn't for you. Particularly, I'm not particularly interested in in that because at the end of the day, if we're you know, gonna practice and, and, and talk about noble dhamma and develop that way, I mean, like you know, the, the masses are not gonna end up. I mean, he, the Buddha says it himself that it's not held by anybody. You know? Right, so why, faith alone is a dead end. So I I get it. It's not the the end goal. So we don't want to practice that. But, you know, I don't know about, um, like, DJ or what's the guy with the pillow behind his head? I, I, didn't, I can't see his name. Well, well he's, 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 he's got enough wisdom to be on this call. That's, I think that's uh, what's a pretty strong start. I know Keyshawn and David. But, um, oh, Robert. Robert. Yeah, Robert. Sorry, I just I couldn't see the name anywhere. But I mean, yeah, no, I mean, if we're past the point of faith, doesn't mean other people are either. And if even if they are past the point of faith, if they understand how faith is taking place in other people, it lends to compassion and understanding. And if I'm not talking so... to someone, if I'm talking to someone who is not past the point of faith, I could provide them, I could offer them, I could invite them out of it and into looking at evidence. That's how I would approach it. Sure. Otherwise, you know. Yeah. Right. And maybe it wasn't such a good idea to talk about, you know, uh, the different paths that lead to the end goal or whatever. I mean, in some sense, I get what you're saying. Like, it's, you know, we should focus on the more concrete things and maybe not talk about, you know, things that no one here really said that they need faith or that they would benefit from faith, really. I was just kind of felt an intuitive urge to say that, that maybe someone in the call would find some benefit in it in some way. I, I, you know, I'm, so, I'm glad you mentioned it, um, Corey, because um, I think I think faith, I think uh, Kishon's brought up some really good points, which I hadn't considered before. And I'm, I'm gratefully shared those with us. But I but um, before he before he mentioned those and it sort of changed my perspective. Uh, you know, somewhat drastically i was i was like quite big on like the faith because sometimes like when i'm gladdening my mind it's hard to find a reason to be happy um and so sometimes if i can just say well the reason is there's no reason and i can just do it there we go like and it, it works then like it's blind faith and it works but it's also a form of wisdom because if I've, if i've done that once 
and it's worked, then I can do it again and again. So like Vishen said, it's not really faith um, anymore. It's it's like it's it's wisdom because it comes from from um, you know like the past experiences and stuff. But it was faith the first time. Yeah, well, like I would also add to that. Else. Like, I would add to that the, the gladdening of the mind, or you know, you could also look at it from uh, the subtractive point of view that you could have had an additional unwholesome thought, but merely not having an unwholesome thought is merely not pumping more adrenaline into your system, merely not feeling even worse. So that's, you know, I think you could look at it that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, think I like I, the subtractive yeah, model. That's good. If someone, was, if I was like 18 and I didn't have the knowledge and concept and wisdoms, faith could provide a similar pathway to the present moment. If I, let's say, for example, I was 18 and, um, you know, the world was crashing down around me. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know any solutions, any practices. I didn't have any wisdom. I didn't have anything. In the beginning, before you have wisdom, you sometimes people can rely on faith. They could be like, you know, I don't know why the world's crashing around me. I don't have any concepts, words. I don't have any practices or teachers. The world is dark around me, you know? Faith yeah. is kind of like the beginning. You don't know. Yeah, the like it's a shining light at the end that, of the tunnel that keeps you going. <laughs> I did say they yeah. can use faith, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's 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 a natural thing. Like, it's we're, going to happen we're not naturally. That's what I was kind of getting at. But I guess you weren't even, you weren't, you were talking about other people. So, but, so I, I agree with you then. We're on the same page. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about a past me too. I've had experiences with faith. I've felt its power and I've felt the effect that it can have in a positive way. Ultimately, I don't keep with faith because wisdom replaces faith, you know? So it's definitely... You know, it's kind of like the seed becomes the tree, you know, it's the same thing. But when we use these words, it helps us to kind of keep place in time. It helps us to know that, like, you know, in the beginning, when I didn't have any knowledge or wisdom, all I had was faith and faith in that instance, in that beginning, it allowed me to let go of the suffering and pain and experience something that is, you know, close to bliss or glory or grace. You know, it's the first kind of positive feeling. I don't know why it happened or when or what. As I begin to have more wisdom and knowledge and training, I can actually do things, you know, I don't have to rely on blind faith. Um, I'm actually able to, you know, do it by wisdom and practice, you know, and so yeah, I, I definitely think it's like a good tool for some people. And beyond that, it's also helpful to understand the world that we live in. And we could see that expression in other people. And, you know, if we know that faith goes to wisdom. I don't know that it's, I don't know that we can say I mean, yeah, I guess you could say uh, um, ordinary Christianity, Buddhism is is good for. I'm, I, I don't even. I can't even. I can't even. I, like let those words come out of my mouth. Like I just can't say that that's true. <laughs> it's for the masses, it's not, you know. It's, it's, Faith is for someone it's, who it's doesn't stupid. practice. It's who's stupid. not living the lifestyle. They're not dedicated it's to like, it. They're not committed to it's it. Like They're just kind of like. What's, it's like describing what's incorrect and saying that that's good for the masses. But, and yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. But uh, one of my favorite stories from, from Dom Rada that he likes to tell is like uh, when he was in the, in the Watts in America and the Americans would come up to him and ask him, what does he believe in? He would say, I don't believe in belief. I believe in evidence. And even that second sentence, right. the, the, the wording on that is a little bit off because you don't believe in evidence, but you 
observe, you collect evidence, and you go based on that. You know. Sure. Yeah, I could see faith. Ultimately, if I only had faith and I lived in a monastery for 40 years, I could make it work. You know, I could do something with it. And I, what I, rem I remember a long time ago. Why even say I had, that? <laughs> I, I guess mean, I had so much success with it at certain the, times. The Buddha himself, the Buddha himself said, uh, "Don't, don't take anything I say, or your teacher says, or you know whatever books say. Don't take any, anything anyone says. Go off of your own." experiences or own evidence investigate for yourself so that investigate for yourself that means collect evidence collect evidence develop confidence so the way that i would speak from experience on it is that if you are very powerful in your faith essentially what you're doing is you're letting go of mind you're letting god take the wheel and you are being okay with reality as it comes good and bad you have faith in god you know bad thought comes faith in god Faith is essentially letting go of the mind and letting it unravel and become in a state of peace. When you have faith, true faith, like deep, deep faith, you're not even fear, afraid of death. You know, they mention that in the Bible a lot. And I'm not real big on the Bible. I don't really, uh, it doesn't speak, speak to me so much, but I have had times and I have understood people and how it works for them. And I've had success with it in a, in, to an extent. And, you know, when you have enough faith, it can do similar things to you know, opening up the mind, you know, and like, ultimately, I decided that faith wasn't the best route for me. So I didn't stick with it forever. But I have had a lot of success. And I have had the thing about that is that it's sporadic. It's kind of like, we don't know why faith is working. We don't really understand it. If we use wisdom, we can kind of, and it's if you go reliable, the route right? of faith. Yeah. The wisdom's more reliable, like the faith is kind of hit or miss sometimes. Yeah, like we have to have complete faith, you know, faith has to be, faith has to go from being a practice that we do uh, into I don't our natural state. Even defending why we're even, like, why are we, what is the purpose of this? Sure. Uh, yeah, let's just talk about Jesus. I'm just I mean, trying what's, to the weather, what's the weather like in New I'm York, kinda... David? What's the, I'm more curious about that. <laughs> it's like 30s or 40s. What is it looking like out there now? Uh, what, for, in New York City? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty cold today. Uh, I went out it's later at night. New York is going to say cold. Say it's brick. brick outside. Yeah, it's, it's brick. It is brick today. It is brick today. But I mean, like, we, we, don't have, you know, we don't have other New Yorkers here, so I, I, use, I use a more general term. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's brick as hell today, though. I'm not going to lie. It's cold out, yeah. I mean, I... I, I was in L.A. today, so it was like a big shock coming into this beautiful weather from Chicago. Oh, my God. Do you have a layover or something at the airport? I was, I was going to go to um, – I was going to have a layover in New York. That's what I was saying last night. I was going to go to New York. But um, I ended up – my my flight got, like, canceled. I, like, booked it with this, like, sketchy website, and they, like, canceled it, and then they switched it to, like, a direct flight. And I was – I was so looking forward to going to New York. That would have been great, but it's okay. No worries. Okay. How, how long? How long are you in LA for? Um, just a few. Uh, how long am I in LA for? I'm leaving yeah. tonight. I'm going back home right now. Oh, what the? You just you just went yeah. for one day? Yeah. yeah I was just he's rich. You didn't know? Oh wow. <laughs> what? Like was what it like a do? business, like, business trip? Yeah. No, it wasn't a business trip. No, I was just visiting a friend. 
Oh, sweet. Right on. Okay. Okay. I can dig that. Yeah. Quick, quick mini vacay and just come back. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta get back home and take care of some stuff, but. I, I haven't been we're, on a, on we're a chill, plane. We're chilling since, now. Uh, I haven't been on a plane since COVID. Uh, how, how, how's the uh, plane situations? My flight here, it was. Uh, I was literally, like, laying. I was like at one point I laid down in my uh, like empty free row, which was great. Nice. You got a whole row to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. A couple people did. Like, it's like people behind me and in front of me that were, that were uh, had a full row. Um, I don't know how it'll be tonight. We'll see. I feel like it's a it's a holiday weekend, so like travel should be up, you know. Yeah. Do you, do you use the whole road to sleep on or not? Did I did I I didn't actually did not fall asleep, but I did attempt to like rest on the uh, on the plane. Did, did I you watch a movie? Sitting up. No, I was just I was just uh, breathing and enjoying. Mm. It's actually a nice. really good time. It was a really good time. Actually, the the, the bus ride after was kind of, I took a bus in, in LA. It was interesting. But yeah. Nice. Rob, Robert, where, where in the UK are you from? Um, Hereford. It's on the border of Wales in the countryside. Right on. I like uh, the accent too, man. I like English accents and Austrian. Thank you. I like your yeah. accent too. Thanks, man. I didn't realize yeah, Americans have accents, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the what one does with mine the sound like? Can you tell any difference? Sorry? What is my can you tell where my accent's from? I have no idea. I, I can't place like the accent to the region in the US. Okay. I live in the Pacific Northwest, so there's a little bit of like Northwest, but I also used to live in the South, so I have a little bit of a Southern draw. Oh, cool! Very cool. If I yeah. guess, if I guess correctly, will will you will you, will you let me know? Yeah. Seattle. Yeah, pretty close. Uh, a little bit south of there, about an hour and a half. Uh, ah. It's a little town. Oh wait. Yep. It's it's in Washington though. Yeah, yeah, still in Washington. How did I know? I live How about 30 minutes south. <laughs> well, I think there's guess. only like four states in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> you had a 25% chance to begin with. But, yeah, well, no, I, I mean, did you know or did you guess? I, I well, I kind of knew. Just, just you know? based on Just based on your Dhamma. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, like, is it because of his accent or is it because of, like, the... The pragmatic Dharma movement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I saw your episode. No, I've I, I got, got cities going. I've got, I'm in, I'm in, I got cities going, guys. I know, I know where everybody lives, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> extrasensory perception. Yeah, yeah. Right on. All right, what am I thinking right now, Keyshawn? Pyramids. You're, you're, no. you're thinking about what? Oh. 
<laughs> you're, you're thinking about you're thinking about me not guessing what you're thinking correctly. Um, no, but that was a great kind of a, like a cool answer though. Actually, yes. Actually, yes. Yeah. Oh wait, actually, yeah. Yeah, that was like oh, sort of like about? a secondary like background thought. <laughs> so it was kind of like running there. I wasn't even aware of. That's I crazy. That he knows what so, I'm thinking so before I know could, what I'm thinking. So we could actually take this into a direction where, um, you know, because Pori mentioned the cities earlier, and I now that we're saying this, I'm kind of remembering what the noble position on this is. Is that in terms of reading somebody else's mind, you know the when you understand your own mind. I mean, our minds aren't that different. You know, if I understand my yeah, mind, yeah. I can kind of understand what you're thinking too. You know, basically, um, that it's been, but that's a pretty ordinary thing. It's not really that magical. You know, it's like. Yeah, I could guess. If I say pink elephant, I probably just made you think about pink elephants in your head. Um, yeah, so yeah. Understanding yeah, the mind. We've, we've like, we're like yeah. similar age. Like I'm in my 20s. You're probably in your 20s. Like we're both Westerners. Like there's probably a lot of like, it's like you, you mentioned the pink elephants. Like that's sort of a cultural trope now. And it's sort of like part of the zeitgeist. So there's so much of that that's probably just like way more similar than we even would realize or would like to admit. Like, you know, when that? someone guesses your mind, you're like, you know, I'm going to have him guess my mind. I'm going to think of the most obscure thing. It's going to be a lamppost and it's going to have snow and it's going to have spotlight. You know, did you think of something like really obscure that you would never um, guess? I, I thought of like a cheeseburger. It's because I was thinking of America and that's sort of associated with that. Maybe, maybe. It's just what came to mind. It was kind of like a random thing. I might be a bit hungry. Yeah, it was just like a random thing. Sort of like, yeah. The reason. Yeah. I mean, the Buddha does, or it's in the sutras that you can't know what's in someone else's mind. Um, which is also a thing too. Not not yet. Wait until Neuralink come out, comes out. Sure. <laughs> Buddhism 2.0. <laughs> yeah, they had uh, they had that monkey playing pong with its mind. It's pretty interesting. Oh, I saw that video. That that was a pretty interesting video too. Yeah. yeah. Kind of crazy. You know, one of the things that I've thought about on why it's so hard to replicate a mind is I've thought about this kind of tied into a time I was thinking about the self and what it really, how it works. Part of the difficulty of the, of replicating a mind has to do with the way that identity is formed. I've always thought that in the present moment, you know, there's only the present moment. So the self must also be in the present moment. And because the present moment is always changing, the concept of self must also always be changing. So it's like it's, you know, freaking impossible or near impossible for them, perhaps with the computing power that they have right now to replicate this ultimate machinery of the universe, the human brain, in such a way because we don't really understand how the mind is extrapolating itself from a constantly ever-changing environment. And we, a lot of people don't really get that, that their sense of self is changing so much because it tends to have these deep ruts, these kind of uh, significant recurring states, you know, for me, for me, one was anxiety. I was very anxious growing up. Anxiety was a thing for me, right? So I, it was one of my dominant moods 
So I always thought that, you know, I wasn't changing, like, you know, I'm not changing very much. And I never really understood how the concept of self is constantly drawing in new information, new experience, and either overlaying it or using the past to kind of, the, so the self, it's like, how can you label or replicate something that is in a state of constant expression, constant change, and also like has this sense of, you know, omnipresent being. There's like, you know, what we call the false self or whatever. It's always changing. It's based off concepts. It's in our mind. But then there's also the non-dual self that they talk about, right? And they say self for both, but it's non-dual realization or something. So there's this essence of being that is always there in every state we have. And then there's also this changing self that is based off of context and it's based off of where I'm at, you know? Um, and we could call it a self, but really it's a kind of a localization of it's a it's a way our mind is kind of funneling everything. Um, you know, I'm not sure that I buy that thing that you said about always there. I mean, it's something that you can explore. And actually, uh, the, the whole idea of dependent origination is that the self is dependently arising. It's not always there. The false self is dependent on causes and conditions. Right. So if we, but if we look at liberation, it's liberation from you're still in this cycle of cause and effect. You're still experiencing what we would call like a human body. You're still experiencing, you know, things, but the, you know, the false self isn't there anymore. It's not causing. When the you're same asleep, issues. you're not experiencing things. You're not conscious. Well, we say that because we're not used to it, but there are people who are conscious, conscious when they sleep. There are people who are. And you so just because become we can't experience it yet. Oh, it's not that there are people who are, it's that you can become conscious while you're sleeping. Again, it's just dependent. It's just dependent. Can you wake up a little bit? If you wake up a little bit, then you're in the dream. And then if you wake up a lot, then you wake up. Then you don't dream. Right? That's why. Yeah, I well, I mean, I, I'm just I love, taking I love, it on faith, I, I guess, about time. when other people say there is a state of realization that is frees one you time. from. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so one time it's, wait, so Rado, wait, wait, Rado, wait, Rado, wait, Rado, you're gonna get a kick out of this. One time I asked Don Rado, I was like, uh, "Can you like help me out? Like, uh, how, what do you do? Uh, you know, when when you're dreaming, or like, do, how how do you do lucid dreaming?" Uh, you know, Don Rado told me, "Like, I don't dream." <laughs> <laughs> that's really that, that was the best thing I ever heard. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> You know, it really used to like annoy me and frustrate me, but like the more that like I watch the videos, the more like the Damarato shut, shutdowns become like the best learning moments because he's like, you, that question is like, it's leading you away from, you want the answer so bad, but the getting the answer is just going to lead you further in the opposite direction to what you want. And so it'll just take you down to satisfaction, like even if you ask me yeah. something like irrelevant. And it's, um, well, dreaming is what yeah. we do. Uh, we, we, dreaming is the ordinary state. Yeah. You know? Let's come into reality. Let's wake up, Sati. That's the whole practice. If he's not dreaming, he could just be experiencing the same thing he's experiencing the entire time, right? If it's this, if it's not dreaming, it's the same thing he's experiencing always. Or you could say that maybe it manifestation is different, you know? So like, I don't dream very often. A lot of the time when I dream, big quotes, it's just an experience of lack of stimulus it's just black right there's no time it's just like a one i could just remember one black moment so like that's me remembering a state of being in while my body's asleep you know 
I'm not dreaming. I'm remembering the same thing that's happening right now. It's just that it doesn't have the visual stimuli that come from the senses, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it, just because he says he doesn't dream doesn't mean lucid dream essentially means something like the that, internal I, reality. I think what it's like a double meaning. It's like awake, a double meaning. That he's waking yeah. up, that he's interested in not dreaming. If he is dreaming, then he's deciding, I don't dream, I wake up. He yeah, yeah. The advice that he gave me. So it's like dreaming is like dreaming, a metaphor for being. If you, if you find yourself yeah. dreaming, what should you do? Wake up. Sati. <laughs> Wake up, yeah. You know? You're in yeah, that I mean, dreaming to us, dreaming usually means that we don't know we're dreaming. Dreaming, within its connotation, we understand that when we dream, for almost everyone, it's a, it's an experience of kind of like a movie, right? Right, we're but not can awake. you have a little bit of, but that's what we're practicing, though, is waking up from the dream. That's literally all the practices. Waking up from the dream over and over and over again. That's our practice. So then that could bleed into when you're sleeping, then even when you're, like, in a dream, because there must be a little bit of consciousness there. Consciousness there. If you have that sati, you'll wake up. And right, so if practice, you're omnipresent too. in that state, if you're in that state that's omnipresent, you're no longer dreaming. You're no longer losing consciousness and being lost in an illusion or a movie where you have Wait, no control. What? Omnipresent? <laughs> what is that even? Omnipresent. Mean? Are you? Are omnipresent you means it's available at any moment. It's available everywhere for everyone at any time. It's omnipresent. Okay. So like, it's a. It, you just have to explore it to really see what's there. And if you think that omnipresent is something that's reserved for God. That idea that I'm different than God is blocking you from ever being able to experience it. If you just open up and have a little curiosity, like, what the fuck does that even mean? Omnipresence? Well, if it's omnipresent, it's got to be in here in me right now. So it's a direction for you to explore. You know, what does omnipresent yeah. mean? What What yeah. is omnipresent, you know? It just sounds it's like funny. another when fire you, without fuel to it's me. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't recognize anything in reality that is actually omnipresent. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, like... For me, like when I first heard it, I was expecting something like more exalted, like 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 omniscient or omnipotent, all-knowing or all-powerful. Like it's a really big, grand thing. Whereas like omnipresent, like you had a much more mundane definition, which I'm quite glad of. It helped me sort of bring it into my my what own are we sort of reality that I have experienced. Again? What is um, we're like, looking for something that is omnipresent, like happiness, like like um like sukha. Because you can always like find it, so it's like omnipresent. I think if I might be omnipresent in the universe, I I could could buy that. Like, yeah, whenever you remember, sure. Omnipresent would be there in the blackest of sleep. It would be in death. It would be in the nothing. It would be everywhere. It would be in everything. It would be also beyond everything. Well, we know omnipresent is for 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 happiness, at least satisfaction for the thing that matters. That when you don't remember, well, that's, that when that that's that's the old ordinary way, that's the old typical way. That's the old stuff that we were talking about before. That's the not liking being hungry until we yeah. wake up and remember yeah. that we don't have to not like this. Yeah, that's I mean, Sati like omnipresent. If anything, it's a different, it's a different like school a of thought. Um, I think. Um, Corey, it's a different school of thought. Like, like in like self inquiry, a lot of self inquiry schools of thought. The idea is that there is this thing that's like out there, and it's like the ultimate realization. And 
and but it, it's impossible to know and it's sort of like finding a needle in a haystack but the needle is the haystack and it's like this really impossible task that we have to accomplish um with our self-inquiry practice somehow but that's a that's a very like distinctly different school of thought to um i think uh the one that damarata teaches which is that forget about the needle in the haystack and just like enjoy the search and then in the enjoyment of the search you'll find what you were looking for really which was just being happy now because like what did you need enlightenment for what did you need to become an arhant for like what did you need the next path for right like when you can just like enjoy the moment now like that's what it was all for anyway so i think that's sort of like how i interpret like the different the different schools of thought yeah yeah the now yeah yeah, they yeah, always the say that awareness or being, maybe we could even say we could uh, dumb it down and say it's relatively omnipresent, you know? How would we ever know anything unless we had awareness of it? How do we know you that we're unconscious and sleeping? Arriving? <laughs> you mean it's independently arriving? That's a good word we could use. Uh, maybe uh, this would be more akin to arriving. like, what is dependently arising is arising on a, a screen of omnipotence, you know? Omnipotence yes, is yeah. like, it's yeah. on, the, on the present, sorry. It's everywhere, including in the nothing. You can't understand it with concepts in mind. It's beyond the mind. And so, but it's also right now. And so it's everywhere you've ever gone, it's been there. Everywhere, and maybe that's why it's so hard for people to see. They're like a fish in water. They don't have no idea they're living in water their whole lives. And because they've never experienced something. And this is also probably why it's important to have the Naroda Naroda Samapati or whatever, you know, you because suddenly you experience that, like, you know, the absence of what was always omnipresent. And if it's yes, always, yes, yeah. right. So, yeah, Brandon talks about that a lot. He's a big fan of his, uh, his cessation. I'm very jealous. I've, yeah. I don't think I've ever had a cessation. <laughs> I really want one, though. Are you, are, <laughs> Sounds is, great. Is that, is that, I feel like if Brandon was here, he might have something to say possibly new regarding his meditation experiences. But anyways, because we were, I yeah. don't know, it, it, it seemed uh, outlandish. Yeah. Anyways, it's no. It's something uh, that's always there though. No, it's it's a good. What, it's not what I was saying. I was saying that, that I think that Brandon recognizes that. Um, I mean, I don't need to speak for him, but I'll speak for myself. That, yeah, go ahead. No, you can speak for him. That, you have my permission. Uh, I'm a buddy with Brandon. <laughs> that my being satisfied right now is, is all that matters. Right. Would you say so that now is all that matters? I don't need to, I don't need to yes. be concerned yeah, yeah. about, I don't need to be concerned so, about uh, some cessation that I had, in, you know, last week. Yeah. yeah. But anyways. Yeah, so I mean, it's just something interesting to explore. And if we ever touch on something that's omnipresent, it has an it has an experience on us. That's why they, you know, really tout how important it is to have Naroda Samapati. You know, if you're able to experience that, what is beyond what we call omnipresence, or you know, just because we don't experience something in Naroda Samapati doesn't mean there's nothing there. It means that we can't experience what's there. So just because we can't experience the full depth of omnipotence or omniscience doesn't mean that it's not there. It means that we can't experience it. So just because Naroda Samapati seems like the end of the road doesn't mean that it is the end of the road. That is just how it's appearing to us because of the, the technology that we're using to get there is this human body, this human brain. And, you know, it's not actually that special, you know. If we look at 
something that is beyond everything else, something that is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, it's going to be a little bit more advanced than something that is within it, which would be the universe. That's, that's really so, cool. Yeah, you took that in a really interesting direction. Like, it's like a paradox. It's like, what's, what, is there something here that isn't just this experience? But if this experience contains everything that's here, because it's like all contained in this um, omnipresent present moment, like at the most ultimate, like, like sense, like we go all the way meta out, it's just like the present moment. But then it's like, is there something outside of that or inside of that? That's kind of like a cool philosophical contemplation. What do you think um, the, like the practical use of that is, Corey? There's no practical if you, use. Philosophy is, philosophy well, is for, for people who, who aren't satisfied and we can just forget about it and relax. That's we could do that is. if no one here has experienced it, but I have experienced it, so I can't talk about well, it. Well, you can forget and, about it and relax too. I don't think I need to relax. I think, I think that you're unrelaxed. That That's be, why you need me to stop talking about it. Hey, man, I, I just like it's. A... It. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that that's that that's not liberating. Omnipresence that's not isn't liberating. That's news to me. It's not the path. Um, okay, uh -huh. well, you know, people say omnipresence. Other people call it truth. And what Buddha calls is like if we're going through the illusion, we are going to truth. Truth is always there. Truth is omnipresent. So if we're going into truth or if we're defining what this thing is that's omnipresent, we are able to see what is illusion, what was never um, real to begin with. And if that's Corey, our concept of self or ego, that's helpful. Corey, I have a really practical question. Um, do you think it's worth making yourself suffer now to achieve like, like the ultimate enlightenment down the road? Like, is it worth like bullying myself and beating myself up to meditate? For like the goal of the ultimate enlightenment when i could just feel like happy now instead like is it worth doing that and like sacrificing the present moment for the like the really good like omnipresent what if the being happy now is the enlightenment omnipresent would be now exists. as well <laughs> right what if right the other one doesn't exist and the oh so it's now is all that so exists. it's like okay i i think i see i think i see what you're saying like the making myself suffer now to, to like motivate myself for like enlightenment it's like counterproductive because the dukkha is just going to obscure me and make my vision like less less it's going to be less like clear dhamma eye like clear things what if that wouldn't be a practice you know it, that wouldn't be what we're going after if if somehow omnipresence like made you suffer in order to get there that wouldn't be something that we want to practice that wouldn't be you know that wouldn't be worth sharing to other people so when someone yeah, talks yeah. to us about omnipresence or truth something that goes beyond uh, an illusory sense of self being contained to this body if you actually touch on what is omnipresent you're not any longer touched you're not longer tied to your body at least for the moment or the the moment of time that you can experience that unity with what is omnipresent you're able to kind of see what is illusion, what is bound in time, what is not omnipresent, you know? And if it comes and goes, it's omnipresent. Yeah, um, it's kind of, just to like add something to what I said before, it's like there have been like moments in my life where I've really like, I've really like beat myself up to like do something that was really beneficial for me. And sometimes that was meditating. Or like reading a book and like sitting down to read instead of like watching it like a watching tv or something that's not contributing to like my spiritual growth and like instead i'll like read read like um like the power of now like for example of like a book that i've read right so it's like 
so I'll I'll make myself suffer for it, but it will actually lead to something good down the road. But but you're saying like conclusively like don't like don't do that or that's do it like how, some of the time. That's not what's like, happening. That's not what's happening. But so at some point down the road, you figure it out. And it's time to. That's kind of what I was getting at. If we take a couple steps back to uh, so your question, your original question about suffering into enlightenment yeah. or relaxing out, being happy in that. What I'm telling you is yes. that the only enlightenment that there is is that second one that you gave. That there is no other enlightenment. There's no other way. I see. That when you read that book. You don't read that book and then suffer, and then because you suffered, you got enlightened. No, you lightened up at some point after suffering a lot. You just remember, yes. you just had sadness yeah. at that point. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of like this like school of thought, to be honest. I kind of like that. I feel like, yeah, I, mean, I feel like the final ultimate enlightenment has probably done like more harm than good for me. I mean, it hasn't, but like in the sense that, like at this point, like all it is is a concept in my mind. Like I might as well just feel it happy. It also now. doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it's just a thought, right? Like it's your god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thought, yeah. I'm just worshiping a new god. But if it's a thought, Instead it comes and heaven, goes. If it's omnipresent, yeah. Like, but but that's the thing is, like, if you don't, if you don't like practice your how god to run something, just like all the other ones. <laughs> I wouldn't call it God because it doesn't. It's not. Really I know you like wouldn't it. call it that because that would defeat your your purpose behind what you're trying to say. But that's what I'm seeing in it. Because you've heard that God is omnipresent. You know that basically you're putting something you like like there's some sort of great enlightenment at the end of the rainbow, and. That's kind of the same concept of like uh, in ordinary religions. Whereas I'm inviting you to ride the rainbow happily now, and that be the god. Yeah. That is the god. So one doesn't negate the other, right? If it's omnipresent, it's there in our darkest times. It's there before we're born. It's there in our anapanasati. It's there in our enlightenment. It is everywhere. That is what omnipresent means. And so somehow, that sounds kind of useless. Like, like that sounds kind of pointless. There are in all the states and all the bad ones. Like it's it's completely meaningless and pointless. <laughs> like that just means it's like nothing. <laughs> like that's literally nothing. <laughs> well, there isn't much. Like I'm I mean, sorry if I misunderstood. Well, that's maybe that maybe that's the whole point that it is nothing. Maybe that's what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much. Right. It's not something that is going to happy. like. It's impersonal. <laughs> it's not yeah. something that you would go after in terms of like because it's a high you wouldn't be going after omnipresent like it's a goal at the end of the tunnel right because that implies yes. that now is shitty but what we're trying yes, to do yes. is because we have to yeah. we can't sacrifice the now to get to the end we have to focus on the present moment and all of our attention on the present moment to actually make, didn't make progress that, towards the like like yes i think i follow yeah and yes. if you didn't so it's make like the you're sort of like having the light but not yeah. having the light yeah, uh, it's like you have to not care yeah. about the gold to get the you gotta gold. You got to find the one with the blue. Oh, the blue. Right, yeah. we could probably say it's some kind of phenomenon or it's not phenomenon. I think they call phenomenon as something that comes and goes. So this would be something else. This would be more like a quality of the universe itself, right? It's not something that we think of. It's not something that we do. It's something that's always there. And so it's not a, a process of getting it. It's not a process of doing anything. It's a process of removal. So that we could be with what is there, we could realize what's there, and it's not, you know, 
I'm not such a master that it's my state all the time and things like that. It's something that is like a tool, you know, if you are in a, if you're able to tap into this, you know, essence or this being or awareness mm. or you know, whatever mm. yes. that's omnipresent, yes. it gives contrast to what like is, you know, what is present, what is coming and going or no, it doesn't contrast what is present. It contrasts what is coming and going, what is illusion. And so it does have extreme utility, but it doesn't have a euphoria. Actually, it kind of does have euphoria, but not addictive euphoria. It's not a high. Mm. It's more like a bliss. It's a peace. And so mm. it does have utility. Um, and it's not the end goal. Um, you could maybe say the end goal would be something more like omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. So yes, this yes, yes. thing that we're trying to understand more, we're not really trying to understand it. We're trying to experience it in the present moment. And when we experience it, we come out of what is false and illusory. And if, if that is omnipresent, if it's always there and we're no longer identified with the self, our identity becomes omnipresent. Our self becomes omnipresent. It goes beyond death and things like that. And, um, you know, I obviously can't say that because I'm still have my own stuff to deal with, but well, you know, I, I have mean, experienced like, things. Well, it's like one in a million people who even like reach like, I'm I'm guessing you're talking about becoming like an arhant or maybe like something even beyond that. Um, but it's like one in a million chances, right? So, don't feel like bummed out about it. No one else does either. How many people yeah, meditate no, like versus like actually achieve like the ultimate? Uh, I don't know about you that. Know? Actually, I mean, I think actually that you know, Westerners have their own. They they create and set standards about what they want to call arhat but mm. the buddha in the buddhist time arhat is just somebody worthy of gifts so yeah yeah yes sorry i'm using like i'm using was, like the, I, was, I don't yeah, know what like mctb fourth path i probably should have said like it's a very specific and it's it came right. like you're, you're, thousands you're, 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 you're thousands using, of years using, after the actual using, uh, the, the washington seattle uh, yeah Obama. That's what yeah. I'm talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, if it's omnipresent, it's with everyone. It's always there. So it's not somehow locked for a one in a million people. And maybe it does only happen to one in a million because only one in a million has the karma for it. But if it does happen to you, you are able to experience what is beyond you According as well. According to something you know? that some guys in Seattle determined, yeah. According to something that I have experienced in very limited doses. I I think it's very cool. I think it's a cool concept. I don't reject the possibility. I think I think you know that's, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, I'd like to experience it. I I'm a little jealous. Uh, sorry, uh, to be honest. That's, <laughs> that's like, cool. Can you see that it, one too, Robert? I yeah, it's yeah. a way of like. Good enough. <laughs> you're able to explore what that concept is. You're able to experience it for yourself. If you had no idea of it, that it's possible, that it's mundane, you would kind of, you know, maybe keep it on the pedestal and you'd be like, you know, I can never be omnipresent. I could never touch what's omnipresent. That's for our haunts and Buddhas and everything else. 